Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss dogs dying and we all cry. Tears of joy! crying over the name of our podcast i don't get it well grab those tissues and clear those tears up we've got a lot to discuss this week starting with mcu news yep as you know i'm danny and that's tyler let's discuss the mcu news so we actually have news this week last week we had none but don't worry i won't mention morbius ah i mentioned morbius oh well uh our first news this week came on february 1st when Marvel announced that Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, had signed a TV deal with Disney. Uh, Now, there's other stuff to discuss that's unrelated to the MCU. Please give me an FX show, show ran, or at least produced by Ryan Coogler. Uh, But stuff that's relevant here is that there will be a Disney Plus show set in Wakanda, which, to me, makes a ton of sense. My only worry with it... Well... It's not even a worry. The only reason I would think we wouldn't get one would be because of the budget. But with the Mandalorian tech being so affordable for Disney, it makes a lot of sense that you could set a show in Wakanda. Uh, I have a lot of ideas on what this could be. Uh, Actually, you know, I said otherwise, but I'll let you say your ideas first because I have a couple ideas. Well, I have an idea that's mine, and then I have an idea that I heard someone else say. Uh, on the internet that's like ooh that'd be fun but I don't think it's what anyone actually wants besides me and this rando but, <laughs> <laughs> but what what do you want or rather uh, what do you think about this news well first this is very cool uh, It's there's a lots of story to tell and lots of room for that part of the MCU to grow um, in the past there's been speculation of Namor he's like the Aquaman of Marvel Comics uh, being in a future Black Panther film um, I've heard rumors that well it's more speculation not rumors that people think uh, Namor will be the main villain of uh, Black Panther 2 Um, and because of that we've already got two or they think that because we've already got two Namor Easter eggs in the MCU um and there he also has he also has quite a history with wakanda um namor does the other thing is um i don't know if you know this but i'll add to this quick is that namor uh he's legally not he's like hulk marvel's not allowed to make a movie just about him the rights are universal but they have the rights to include him in something else and black panther is the property he's most tied with besides like just being on his own yeah, uh, which is another reason why he's always been rumored. Also, I think Ryan Coogler is on record for saying, "Yeah, I love him. I wanted to use either him or Craven in the future, but he can't use Craven because Sony's making a Craven spinoff <laughs> movie." Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I don't think they'd introduce Namor on a Disney Plus show. Sorry to burst your bubble, Tyler. I think Namor is such a big. I think. Neymar, honestly, is a big deal for representation. Uh, a big, not big deal, actually. More like he's a big potential for representation. So Neymar is Asian, or Pacific Islander, is who I think should play Neymar. Um, and 
in that case, I think him being a primary antagonist of a Black Panther movie would be good. However, and I'm gonna also I'll use this to talk about also what I think the Disney Plus show should be. I don't think Namor should be the bad guy in Black Panther two because Chadwick Boseman has passed away. I think yeah. I would rather we wait till we have an established whatever the established new Black Panther is or whoever's going to lead the franchise then we can move into Namor for the final movie of the trilogy even though I don't think I don't think we're going to only have three Black Panther movies that's ludicrous if we're going to have a fourth Thor movie and only have three Black Panther movies but anyway um I think my here are my ideas um my my pitches my first pitch would be and it has to go also with Black Panther 2 uh is the big rumor for Black Panther 2, as I'm sure, I think we've even discussed, is that Shuri would be the next Black Panther. There are a variety of reasons why I don't think Shuri should be the next Black Panther. Uh, first and foremost being that she has not developed to the point where I could buy her as it. I could see her as a regent, but I don't see her as a warrior queen. Uh, it makes far more sense if we were to have a female Black Panther to be either Okoye or... Um, more honestly, I think it's more likely it's Nakia because yeah. Lupita Nyong'o is a huge, the biggest movie star in Black Panther 1 besides Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan. I think Michael B. There's a lot of people who are like, I want Michael B. Jordan to be there. Like, that is such a dumb decision. I would not, like, that is the one thing I would not go see the movie on because I don't care. Like, I don't care if you bring him back. I don't care if you bring in a multiverse version of him. Michael B. Jordan's story is done there. It was perfect. Don't touch it. Agreed. Uh, yeah. My my personal pick for who should be the Black Panther, but I don't think they'll go with is Mbaku, because Winston Duke, like, also with Lupita Nyong'o in the movie Us, he anchored that movie besides Lupita Nyong'o, and I think his character uh, is really unique, and he almost becomes Black Panther in the first movie anyway, you know, and it'd be a nice way to tie that off. But I won't complain if it's Lupita Nyong'o or Okoye. I won't, I won't be bothered if it's Shuri or if it's Killmonger. Uh, to go with Mbaku, though, um, this ties into what our actual news is. I think the logical thing for Mbaku to have been is... Because uh, we can clearly see Okoye has not taken over the role of Black Panther in Endgame. Like, she is in the movie. Mbaku is in the movie at the very end, but after T'Challa is back uh, in the end fight. I think it is completely reasonable to say that within the five years, Mbaku served as the Black Panther. And I would set an MCU show in those five years about Mbaku and Okoye trying to keep Wakanda together after the snap. Mm -hmm. While they were also in the middle of reopening themselves up. And you can fit in... This is, this is the big pitch. Is that the villain of the first season, who would leave after the first season because he's way too big a movie star to stay on the show, compared to Dunai... Compared to the actress who plays Okoye and uh, Winston Duke, I'm not gonna mispronounce her name. Don't worry, guys. I I, I know I know I'm not gonna mess it up again, so I'm not even gonna try. Um, but anyway, uh, is the obvious choice to me for the villain of the first movie, the first season of the show would be Daniel Kaluuya's character from Black Panther One, who's left off. Like we don't really get anything to clear up about him. But I also don't think he's relevant to be in Black Panther 2 with a five-year gap inherently needed for it. Uh, I think you could wrap off his storyline great in an Okoye and Umbaku show. 
Uh, and it would make a lot of sense to see him try to gain power in the absence of T'Challa and Shuri after the snap. Uh, I think that would be a great show. Plus, you can write in five seasons of it. Like, there's five years to play around in where we can see yeah. what happened to Wakanda in between the shows. So that's that's my serious pitch. Uh, I think that show would probably be the biggest deal Disney Plus gets, to be clear. Because I think, well, obviously, I think Okoye is pretty much everyone's favorite Black Panther character. I'm sorry, like... If you were to pull people on your favorite Black Panther character besides T'Challa, uh, it's going to be either Okoye or Killmonger that wins. Uh, with Shuri in a distant third, I feel like. Uh, and then I like Mbaku, so I'd be like, this would be the show to do. The other idea I saw was just to flesh out like the Wakandan culture and like to do an anthology show about like the mm-hmm. average citizen in Wakanda. And like, oh. I don't know if that would do well like as a show but i would be down for that like as a i think that'd be a fun mini series i think it would also be cool to do that for asgard uh but asgard's gone now so new asgard i don't think is interesting but like say if you did a show like that around the time like thor 2 like in between thor 2 and ragnarok mm-hmm. that would have been really interesting but i think for wakanda like, you could do it now or or you get just a regular asgardian who's growing up or not growing up, but who's on new Asgard, and maybe he looks a lot like Matt Damon. I think I've heard yeah, a pitch yeah, like yeah. that before. Really so, I'd, I'd be down for the Matt Damon show still, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan Coogler, why aren't you working on that? <laughs> uh, but no, uh, that's my opinion on the Wakanda show, is that I really hope they use the opportunity to flesh out those five years of Wakanda's history, because I think it'd be really interesting. Plus, I think both the actors for Mbaku and Okoye would probably be game for it, especially if they're not chosen to be the next leader of the film franchise. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think, as I said, I think, it, even though I don't want it to be Shuri, I think it will be either Shuri or Lupita Nyong'o's character. Fingers crossed for Lupita Nyong'o, though. <laughs> All right, the next news, I literally, is, I, I got this news, I saw the news and I sent it to Tyler. I was like, yo, do some research. I don't know anything about this. You're, you're the Marvel Comics research guy. So, Kevin Feige said he uh, he promised in an interview with, um, I think it was a Disney Plus press event in Singapore, uh, that a Southeastern Asian superhero would appear on Disney Plus in the close future. Uh, and that is interesting because he has not announced that at all. None of the announced projects would imply that for a main character. So... Tyler, give me the results of your research. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there's quite a few possibilities here. So here we go. Uh, I wanted to start off with Triumph Division. Uh, They were the Philippines' finest superheroes. They mostly worked alone, but did collaborate with Iron Man during his imprisonment by the Mandarin. We obviously won't get that same exact scenario. Um, R.I.P. Tony Stark. But there is possibly Disney Plus possibility there with this superhero group having their own show. Um, and with, now, wait, 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 I want to say one thing before you say that. You say without Iron Man, it's not possible. But wouldn't it be possible to include it in them and say Iron Heart or in Armor Wars, both of which we know are coming? Yeah, they can. They can have. They can have that. I was. Uh, I was more saying that we won't get the exact Iron Man. Oh, I mean, of course. Yeah, 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 I get you. Yeah, And also, of course, um, you could even tie it in with Shang-Chi eventually because he's going to face off against the Mandarin. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. 
too. Um, so we could actually get in this tournament. There's a tournament in Shang Chi that we could actually see some of these heroes participating in. And then, um, like after the credits, Kevin Feige will be like, "Hey, make sure you check out Disney Plus. Uh, subscribe, like, like and subscribe, <laughs> like and subscribe." <laughs> <laughs> I would love, sorry, very dumb side thing here, but imagine if instead of like, you know, the MCU movies always end with like, Doctor Strange will return in Avengers Infinity War, yeah. or it was just like, like and subscribe that Doctor Strange, <laughs> you too. Please, please like and subscribe and hit the notification bell because that actually does make a difference. <laughs> See you in the next one. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> That's going to be my new um, bit. Whenever Doctor Strange shows up, I'll be like, like and subscribe. <laughs> and then he just teleports out, like, he uses the That's what he should have said at the end of his Thor Ragnarok role. When he was like, bye to Thor and Loki, he should be like, like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Close his portal. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, anyways, uh, oddly enough, me, like, when I was, t- when I was uh, writing this out, I immediately thought of. Inhumans, um, which was that Marvel show that bombed, and I. So oh, I really, oh. I really, yeah, I really. <laughs> I thought you meant Eternals for a second. No, no, like, no, no, no. Inhumans. Like, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I know now. I caught it. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah so, uh, uh, so any, but anyways, um, so the original team of the Triumph Division included nine members, including Wave, which there's actually been quite a bit of social media craze over like after uh kevin feige announced this um kevin feige coming to coming to disney plus (laughs) there was this big hype on uh twitter about wave uh, which she has hydrokinesis powers and she actually gets them from an encounter with the triumph division um so she's from the philippines as well so we could she, she would make, make sense because a... we don't have a hydro. We don't have a hydro. We don't have a hydro. We don't have a water-focused character in the MCU yet at all. Right. Even, right. Even when they like tried to put, well, when they referenced Hydro Man in Far From Home, it wasn't anything, you know. Yeah. It wasn't. It ended up not being anything. So we could. That would be a new. And hey, you could tie it into Namor. Mm-hmm. It, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah. So. Uh... Get some nice crossover stuff there. I, I yeah. to me, out of I've got three, um, uh, not options, but three point uh, heroes that I looked up, and that one to me would be the least. It to me, it would get the least play on a um, on a promotional board, but I I still think that there's still there's com- some connectivity possible there. Uh, there's well, also. Wait, wait, yeah. wait! Before we go on, you know, you're also you're saying Inhumans, right? You tied it into Inhumans. Well, well, I said we know, I hope sorry. that it would. I was hoping. Oh. I, I, I thought it would. I immediately got like imagery of Inhumans, which left well, a bad taste in my you, mouth. But you know, this is the one thing I know about Marvel Comics because I told you I read like the first two trades of it. It's the only thing I've read. But Miss Marvel, you know, she mm-hmm. uh, her powers are activated by the Terrigen Mists. Which I know has featured in both the Inhuman show and Agents of Shield, uh, both of which the canonicity is very in question. But right. you know, well, actually, no. Side side note: I heard that last week, like last week's WandaVision episode, uh, they directly referenced Agents of Shield, and when someone asked like the writer on, they're like, 
Yeah, yeah, we, we looked at the show. We thought it'd be like the Hydra Soak. Oh, that was two weeks ago. The Hydra Soak thing was mm-hmm. an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reference, apparently. Huh. Uh, but it's like, all right, uh, congrats to the people who watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Uh, by the way, anyone's listening to this, just so you know, we may be an MCU podcast, but we, we really haven't watched any of the MCU shows up to this. I watched the first season of Daredevil, and I, I tried to watch the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, but that's it for me. Uh, maybe if we end up ever having another hiatus of Marvel content, we'll look at those shows, but probably not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's seven seasons long. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't mind looking at, like, the Agent Carter show or the Netflix shows at some point if we have yeah. a lot of Agent, time. Agent Carter and, uh, Daredevil. I've seen, like, well, I, I want to watch Jessica Jones. I've heard, I've saw a couple episodes of Jessica Jones, and I was yeah. really impressed by uh, both the lead and David Tennant on it. Uh, I wouldn't mind going back and finishing that at some point. I heard the episode. I heard Luke Cage and uh, Iron Fist. Don't, Iron don't Fist watch it. Really save yourself. Yeah, save yourself uh, Luke, on that one. Luke Cage. The this this is our future news. I guess I'm jumping ahead, but Mahershala Ali is in that, and he's coming mm-hmm. back to the MCU in a much bigger role. Uh, but okay. Back Anyways, to the so, other characters. Uh, yes. There's also so there's, there's Wade, also, and then there's who else? Then there's also Karma. Although she is technically a mutant, uh, she is Vietnamese. Her power is to seize control of other people's minds, although it changes depending on the comic run. Um, she's featured in big storylines such as Age of Apocalypse, House of M, and Days of Future Past. So there's all kinds of possibilities Wait, there. So, so she's a mutant who can control yeah. other people's minds, and she's been in storylines that are inspired by House of M. Uh Days of it sounds Future a little Pest. familiar to yeah. something we're watching right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but, sorry, I just wanted to point that out here. Is that, uh, that's, that's what we're watching, I think. Uh, to be vague about the spoilers before the spoiler warning. Uh, but anyway, and then who's your... You have one more, right? Yeah. So I yeah. last wanted to mention Komodo. Uh, she is of Indonesian descent. In the comics, she loses both of her legs in a car accident. Uh, she decides to focus on her academics, which leads her to none other than Doc Connors, which is the same Doc Connors from the Spider-Man comics. Is oh, ac- no. Yeah. She Dr. Actually- Connors so, class. So, so now, you're, <laughs> now, you're thinking, now you're thinking, oh, well, surely they won't go along the same storyline as Doc Connors. Well... She actually changes uh, Connor's formula. She gets his formula, then changes it to allow her to regrow her legs, but still keep control over her mind. Because if you recall, Connor's could regrow his arm using like this uh, amphibian DNA or lizard DNA, and then but he would lose yeah, yeah, control yeah, yeah. over his mind. Yeah. So crazy, uh, she... crazy idea there with her. Then what is? Mm-hmm. This is this is a thing that actually it's a speculation that I know won't happen, right? Uh, but what if she just appeared in Spider Man three, you know, with right. from the Amazing Spider Man? Because we we're, we all we don't know, but we're all heavily speculating that Spider Man three is going to bring in elements from both the Raimi movies and the Andrew Garfield movies, uh, and Andrew Garfield movies. Uh, the actor who plays Lizard, whose name I cannot remember, has not been like reported involved with Spider-Man Three, but you maybe we're going to bring in this random Komodo character. <laughs> I, I don't think it will or, happen. I think that won't she make much could, sense. She could be, uh, she could be like a TA for Doc Connors too. 
Yeah. Um, if we ever introduce Doc Connors into the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man films. But uh, my, uh, my, my thing with my, sorry, I want to say one thing about Dr. Connors. Yeah. Is that if he is ever brought into the Tom Holland movies, I want him to pull J.K. Simmons and cast the guy who played him in the Raimi movies. In the Raimi films? Dylan Bakers. Yes. Yeah. Because he was, he was told that he would be, I remember he wants to interview, he's like, yeah, I was supposed to become the lizard down the road, but then like the movie stopped and I'm like, ah, oh, it's such a bummer. You never got to be because that actor's really great. And mm-hmm. I, what I love about the Raimi movies specifically is that they constantly cast character actors as the villain, uh, which the MCU and DC nowadays don't. Um, they cast big names who do a good job. Well, in some cases, and uh, MCU is way better about the villains. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's, the let's not talk about a, Justice League. <laughs> well, I was going to say the MCU had a huge villain problem until we got to. Uh, I would say Civil War. I think most people would say until uh, Guardians 2. Uh, Komodo is involved in storylines like World War Hulk, which, as we know, Hulk is still he's still alive and kicking in the MCU. Um, also, Secret Invasion, which has there's a confirmed adaptation coming to the MCU. Yeah. And With yeah, Hulk, She-Hulk's coming. So yeah, true. And then, uh, and then there's also Shadow Initiative, which involves Taskmaster, which is the villain of the Black Widow movie. So this is the this is the character to me that can play well in the Spider-Man um, realm of the MCU. It, she can play with the Hulk um, area of the MCU, Secret Invasion, Taskmaster. If Taskmaster stays around, we obviously haven't seen Black Widow yet. Um, but and also Black but, Widow set like what forty five years before. Yeah. Well, it's set yeah. before Endgame. It's set before Infinity War. So it's yeah. So so but to me that was the one that could have the most uh, play. My thing with Komodo is not that I know much about her. As I said, um, I'd be curious, basing off her origin, if her rights are with Disney or with Sony. Because if it's with Sony, then it'd be something where she might get put in the Spumok. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, I I think she I think she is would be with Marvel Studios because I don't think she was a Spider Man character like necessarily like she's um in you know she's moving from the Spider Man comics out into other comics so uh, I think I think Marvel Studios would be okay to to use to use that but that could also because of that flexibility. Um, that could also be a way of Marvel coming coming to the uh, bargaining table with Sony on one of the future films. Because I think, <laughs> haven't they said that they're like, Tom Holland, you're great. We love you. Let's do ten more movies. I mean, like, it, it's not that exact, but it feels like that. Um, so yeah. I, I think mean, Spider-Man's going to be around for a little while longer at least is, is it that uh, this is something i'll get <laughs> i know i know i know i know i know your opinion on spider-man that's why i'm, I'm just like <laughs> i'm like man can we just reboot this kid again <laughs> well but i can get into that more whenever well whenever we watch a spider-man movie because i actually do like tom holland in civil war mm-hmm. it's everything after that that i don't <laughs> <laughs> but all right so of the ones you said, I think... Well, I think Wave, as you said, was the one that got the most popular the most buzz, reaction yeah. on Twitter. I think sh- she would fit a 
niche that the MCU does not have. Uh, I think Komodo sounds cool. My fear would be that the uh, the Marvel. I think the rights are with Sony personally, even off of what you said. I yeah. also think that. Well, honestly, though, also to be clear, the rights being with Sony has nothing to do with TV. It just would mean that she can't appear in movies. That's uh, true. She did, and he did say a Disney Plus show. Um, I'm also wait. So <laughs> to wrap this up, what exactly are Komodo's powers? Because all you said is she can regrow her legs, and I imagine that's only something that's useful once. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So she like she uh, she get she regrows her legs, but then I think like she gets the powers of like I think it's like strength and what would come with. A I don't want to say the powers of a Komodo dragon. But... So she's, she's a lizard, but she's a Komodo. <laughs> Reading her wiki page, that one was really hard to dissect because of how much the wiki page went off topic and talked about, like, she's got a ton of romance Ooh, like storylines throughout and so uh yeah Does right she date peter ever <laughs> do what Does she ever date peter parker i don't think so i did not, no, did not see kevin that one, you so. could make something new <laughs> kevin <laughs> give that no that's what we need i no. want a love triangle between zendaya and Kamo. Oh, give it to me <laughs> <laughs> but uh overall i mean it could be one of these could be one of these options or it could be none uh, it's but I true, think yeah, it is... they could always just pick a character who's traditionally white and make it a Southeastern character, Southeast Asian character, which would be fine. I'd be okay with that. Like, I would not complain about the thing being a Southeast... Well, I would, honestly, in that regard, because that's a character that's entirely CGI, so it'd just be like, here's your representation, it's, it's a rock, you know? But yeah. I wouldn't mind yeah. it being, like, any other character, like... Uh, being changed to a southeastern Asian character, mm-hmm. any other white character, but because but I think we everyone knows the co- comics are like eighty percent white superheroes, right? So yeah, yeah. But anyway, go on. But no, I I think it's great that MCU heroes are finally more diverse. Do you know uh, why it took so long? I don't, actually don't know if you well, know. Well, it's an interesting story. Wasn't it? Wasn't it one of the top executives? Yeah, Ike in, Perlmutter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, was in charge of Marvel entirely. So Kevin Feige uh, worked directly under Perlmutter for a bit. Uh, well, not for a bit, for pretty much the entire first two phases of Marvel, which is why there's a lot of stuff in Marvel that, like, that's why we didn't get a Black Widow movie. That's why, not that Iron Man 3 has a great villain, but the villain in Iron Man 3 was supposed to be a woman. Uh, but, uh, like, Perlmutter was like, I can't spell action figures of women. So that's why it was a guy. Yeah, I know. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, but then, okay, so the breaking point was, was Civil War. Uh, and Robert Downey Jr. was like, all right, my deal is done. Give me $50 million to be in Captain America Civil War. And Ike Perlmutter was like, give him 10. 10 million at the highest. And <laughs> Feige is like, all right, enough. And he went to Bob Iger, who, you know, is like the person in charge of all of Disney. He was like, here's yeah. the deal. You either give me you you let me report to you, or you let me report 
or, or I leave. I, I'm just done with Marvel. Like, you cannot, like, I cannot do a Civil War movie without Iron Man. Like, that is a, a ludicrous suggestion. Like, it yeah. is impossible for me to do oh that. Oh, my gosh. That would have uh, been, oh, that that also... been a headache. Yeah, that and that's so why bad. also, once that happened, we start getting insanely big casts and crazy directors for uh, Marvel movies. Like, look, like, my, my thing there is, like, Doctor Strange's cast is insanely, like, star-studded like mm-hmm. in the actors yeah who normally wouldn't ever be interested in doing it and that's like right after civil war so yeah i think i think kevin Woodham was like i finally have control i can do whatever i want <laughs> uh, with dr strange and that's also why it took so long for us to get movies like black panther and captain marvel because like pearl Marvel was like these won't sell action figures they're not white men but literally like that is literally like he's been on the record saying stuff like that he was also on the record of like demanding that they return leftover catering like from the avengers rap party and demanding for a refund on it even though he owns a ridiculously rich company but anyway um (laughs) so i'm glad that he's he's gone and i'm actually kind of honestly in a way it's kind of as well things take time to change because it's been since 2016 that this has happened and we've only gotten really Captain Marvel and Black Panther out of it in terms of diversity. But that will change soon with, of course, Miss Marvel, with She-Hulk, with whatever the Southeastern East Asian character is, and with Shang-Chi. You know, like, there's countless examples, uh, and I'm glad that we're getting them. Even though I do think that society has moved past the need for a Black Widow movie. We wanted that in, like, 2014. Right. But, it, <laughs> but you know what? I get it. We'll finally have it, and then we can move on. So I'm but not if, complaining. Like, but we have if so we many d- used to superhero movies. Like, if <laughs> if we don't, if we don't also set up Thunderbolts while doing That's the true. Black Widow movie, I mean, I'm 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 good with doing, uh, with going back and doing like past calls like with movies as long as it's going to feed into into future. Yeah, films, and you know the big thing to me with the big thing to me there is of course Florence Pugh, uh, because we know she's going to be a big part of the MCU. She's an Academy Award nominated actress, so again another really talented person who's coming in to work in the MCU regularly. Um, kind of a shame in a way that I think because she's supposed to be in the Hawkeye show, and in my mind, uh, people always wanted a Hawkeye and Black Widow movie. I would definitely be down for it with these two new ones when we get them because. Mm-hmm. And they're both Academy Award nominated actresses, and honestly, keeping Haley Steinfeld on an uh, on a Disney Plus show definitely feels like a waste of her talent. And same with Florence Pugh; uh, they're both really talented actors. Uh, but anyway, speaking of Hawkeye and Black Widow, let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this week, Don Cheadle said in a um, in just in a podcast that he's going to be in it. Uh, no, no uh, mention of how long he'll be in it. it. Could just be a cameo. He could honestly just be in it for like two minutes, you know. Right. Like, he could. All, my guess would honestly be he's probably seeing how he has been as he's probably going to be in like the last few episodes, or maybe he'll be in the very beginning. Because uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, unlike Wandavision, will have hour-long episodes, and as such, it's only going to be a six-episode show, which would mean that if Wandavision was Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'd be having the season finale next week, which is kind of series finale next week, which would be kind of crazy to think about. Oh yeah, um, it would. Yeah, um, but of course, story structure—it's a different thing, right? With every story, <laughs> right? It's crazy. Um, but anyway, so what do you think about Rhodey appearing in Falcon and Winter Soldier? Do you think it's just going to be like a setup 
for Armor Wars, or do you think it's going to be like something pivotal in the storyline, or do you think it's something else entirely? So first, I, I, I wanted to ask you, Danny, what is the validity of Falcon holding on to Cap's shield? Be, do, you know, besides he was given, besides he was given the shield by Captain America, the shield is technically government property, and with the casting of Wyatt Russell in Falcon and Winter Soldier as John Walker slash U.S. agent, it seems the government might be taking steps to return the role of Captain America, which will now be called U.S. agent, um, to its traditional sense of like promotion. Um, First, a quick joke. Yeah. And then I'll actually elaborate on that. <laughs> First, is, uh, a quick joke. Is, Brock, Brock, is John Brock Walker sponsors. the son of a planet? Because... Wyatt Russell is, of course, Kurt Russell's son, and you know, I, I, we we gotta have him together in the MCU, right? Like maybe he's Star he's Star Lord's half brother, right? Oh <laughs> like my. that's how this works. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I think it will be very interesting to see what role Wyatt Russell takes place. What what? Well, it's more. I'm curious how John Walker ties in with the Zemo plot because we yeah. don't re- well, we don't really know anything about Falcon and Winter Soldier. No, not really. Uh, I do think that the first general thrust of the plot will be about uh, the U.S. government wanting to give this guy the role of Captain America. Mm -hmm. And I think it will be interesting because then it will be like, uh, you know, Sam's going to be like, no, Cap gave it to me. So, you know what I mean? Like, Cap will be like, Cap gave this to me. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, where's Captain America? This random old guy. That, to be clear, I don't even th- I don't think we're even gonna get an acknowledgement of or, or an appearance. You know, I don't think Chris Evans is popping up in Falcon and Winter Soldier as yeah. old Cap. I think that'd be weird. Um, but they're like, oh yeah, who are we gonna believe? This you you, you two war criminals or because they're war criminals still. You know, even yeah. though it's been like seven years. Like, who are we gonna believe? You two war criminals or we're going to believe this guy who's a soldier who we know cares about America because he always listens to us. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be interesting to see then how Zemo ties in. Uh, and Agent 13. <laughs> I, I really don't know why she's in this. I think everyone would like to move past uh, that character because it's very weird to think about how she makes out with Captain America right after Peggy's yeah. funeral. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, I, I'm, I'm, but <laughs> I, I hope she makes out with one of the Falcon or the Winter Soldier because <laughs> I, I want I want that conversation to happen. Um, uh, um, but well, yeah, I would agree that I think the government is taking steps to return its role, which to me would make me think uh, with Don Cheadle. Uh, I was because I watched Iron Man one a few like I, my Wanda. I, we, we've kept saying uh, that our WandaVision prep watch should have been Age of Ultron if we did a prep watch for. Yeah. WandaVision. But I myself did a prep watch, weirdly, for Iron Man. It was more I watched Iron Man 1, uh, <laughs> uh, Well, because it's, it's, it's technically Vision's first appearance in the MCU, you know? Te- technically, yeah. <laughs> technically. Um, well, not if you watch stood out to me Carter. There, yeah, well. Anyways. Stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I felt like in that movie, Rhodey is very much authoritarian he's very military man and of course his time with the avengers has made him more questioning of the military uh and he's also like that in iron man 2 if i remember right it's just been a while since i've seen iron man 2 
Yeah, Iron uh, Man too. He is very much, very much like straight tie to the to the letter. And we yeah. haven't much of we haven't had much of a focus on Don Cheadle since Iron Man three, right? Uh, like he more than anyone else in the MCU has been kind of shafted. Uh, <laughs> I guess I guess with the exception of like. <laughs> Scarlet Witch and Vision, but now they have a TV show that, like, they're getting more screen time than any other superhero yet, but, and that will happen with Don Cheadle, too, eventually, you know, like, we have a show coming out with him, and I'm looking forward to it, because mm-hmm. um, I think he's, well, he's a great actor, and I'm, I feel like it's a shame, because in Endgame, I actually thought his scenes with Nebula were very good, because I think Nebula is a highlight of Endgame, and I think it's interesting to pair those two off. Because they're both two characters that were really not given much screen time. But whereas Nebula actually has an arc within Endgame, uh, Don Cheadle does not. And the, I think it really says something that compared to any other Marvel superhero, I generally refer to Rhodey as just Don T. Cheadle. Like, yeah. he does not register to me as the character he is. He's just, oh, Don Cheadle's here. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, I think it'd be interesting to see him an antagonistic role in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I also don't wonder, I also wonder if we could keep him under wraps that much. But I'd also say, without getting into our spoiler discussion this early, that WandaVision has surprised me with a main cast member listed in the credits that I was not expecting to be listed as a main cast member. So maybe Don Cheadle is a main cast member and he let the bean slip. You know, the pink slip. That is such a... (laughs) But you know what I meant. Like, like, you know, like, it's very possible. After, Especially after this week's WandaVision. I'm like, yeah, sure. There could be another huge MCU character in this. Why not? Uh, But do you have any more thoughts on Don Cheadle? Well, I thought thought that maybe with this conflict with the shield, um, because I do think that this shield... The shield is a symbol. I mean... Look at how big Captain America, like how much Captain America means to the United States. And I like this shield is a symbol of that, of him. So I think that with the U.S. saying, hey, no, we want this guy to be to be representing us out there. And they're going to turn it into more of a promotional role. Um, Well, maybe. They'll either turn it into a promotional role or he'll be part of like a spec ops team. That's just speculation. But maybe I'm spec thinking spec ops speculation. Sorry. <laughs> spec opsulation. Nope. I cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh so what my thoughts are is maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier uh number one, they were both in no, they weren't. They they agreed. They were to... both snapped. They were both snapped. They uh, were both Don snapped. Not. Yeah, they were both. They were both. It's snapped. very possible that so John Walker thinking... took over the role. Well, no, because Captain. No, because Captain's still, still around. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder though if that will be elaborated on. Because yeah. my big my my big excitement on Falcon and Winter Soldier has been honestly is that I think it will examine the aftermath of the snap more than any other Disney Plus show, because it was supposed to be the first one. Yeah. And I also think baron zemo being around to me implies that he's been doing stuff for five years and yes oh my god people who have been yes. out of the game for five years have to come back and deal with that mm-hmm. so i'm um, my thoughts are maybe cheetle has been tasked by secretary of state thaddeus ross to bring falcon and winter soldier thaddeus thunderbolt ross referred to him by his full name <laughs> <laughs> 
all six words there, but uh, well, yeah, to well, bring... well, 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 I'll explain but... really quick. Is that there's a meme? So I used to be on this message board. Uh, I still kind of am on it, not but not as frequently. Where when they announced that he was coming back for um, Captain America: Civil War, the moderator who was running the thread for Captain America: Civil War uh, just put in the t- the headline it was like. Featuring the return of General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, and then the mod disappeared, and the thread title was never updated, and it was always just like the biggest news with this movie was that <laughs> General Ross was back, and it just became a meme. It was like it would be like Thor Ragnarok, uh, November whatever twenty seventeen, Thaddeus Thunder General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross will not be appearing in this film, <laughs> and it's just constantly in the MCU titles. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he showed up in Infinity War, like everyone in our group was just like, like laughing because he was a surprise role, and we we're like, oh my gosh, it's General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. <laughs> but sorry, that's why I, whenever General Ross comes up, I'm probably gonna ever correct you <laughs> to say his full name on this. <laughs> Anyways, so I. I think... My hope is that Cheadle will side with Falcon and Winter Soldier, and because uh, I really want Thunderbolts in there. Um, so and, and know, then maybe I know James Gunn. James Gunn wants to do a Thunderbolts movie. He's been oh my gosh, that would times. be that would be the perfect thing for him to and do know, after Guardians. We know 3. he's going to be done with Guardians after Guardians Three. Yeah. So, granted, some people might. Um, you know, he's doing Suicide Squad, and people are thinking he might be getting his Thunderbolts itch out off of that. But I could still see him. I think he's gonna want to stick with Marvel. Why? Well, I, I, so James Gunn can do whatever he wants. Like, let's be real here. Right. Marvel fired. I I can't wait to find out what his paycheck is for Guardians Three. Let me. I'll just put it that way. Because if I was him, I would demand a huge paycheck after that embarrassment. And like, you know what? I'm, like, it was yeah. it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. But like, yeah. Um, James Gunn wants to do Thunderbolts. So that's why I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. But I also think we're a long way away from it because he has to, he has to do Guardians 3 first, which I right. would think at the earliest is going to be 2024, which would mean the earliest we get Thunderbolts is 2027. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that Thunder if they do a Thunderbolts, they're, they will want to do it properly. And they'll do I think they'll do it as a film. And it won't yeah. necessarily be a Disney Plus show. Um, yeah. And but then yeah. I also think I think we're reintroducing characters for it because I think Sam Rockwell will be in Armor Wars, who would be a great pick. For, uh, I love Justin Hammer. He's the be- he's the one part of Iron Man two that's great. Uh, and there's of course other characters they could bring in. I do also think bringing in Don Cheadle uh, is interesting because I really hope the Falcon. You were talking about how they want someone who can represent the U.S. Yes. And I think about when Sam Wilson became Captain America in the comics. And there was this huge uproar of people who, you know, people who are always like, uh, Captain America has to be white, you know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Or and, like, Captain America are... has to be male or like, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just like, to me, I think it'd be a really interesting way to, put, to take the direction of the show uh, because I think that is the only thing that... I think even now there are people in the comics community that are very anti Sam Wilson being capped. And I think I've always heard like his stories are great and he makes way more sense to be Captain America than Bucky. Yeah. Like, uh, but the only reason to me, the only reason I can see why people want to want him is because he's black. Uh, 
which is a horrible reason not to want him, obviously. And I think it'd be interesting to see this show tackle that. Because as we see, in the, the, the premise of the show is inherently Captain America gave the role to Falcon. To, yeah, but to Falcon. the government wants to give it to this random... Hey, I'm just going to put it this way. As far as we know, a random unqualified white guy who hasn't even fought with the Avengers. You know? Like, that's topical. Uh, and I think the MCU, with the exception of Black Panther, avoids topical stuff. Oh, and actually, I think... Well, if we ever talk about Thor Ragnarok, I'll talk about how I think Thor Ragnarok actually is probably the most politically deep Marvel movie, even though it is more focused on having a fun time than talking about the politics. Uh, but I think Thor Ragnarok is honestly more political than Black Panther's. Uh, but I'd be interested in seeing any of these Disney Plus shows tackle something like that. And I think I think if we get that Wakanda show, we will get something yeah. political in these. But I think Falcon and Winter Soldier would be a good place to put it, too, because I think... Sam Wilson, Captain America, was such a politicized issue at the time of it being in the comics that people were talking about, like, politicians were talking about it at the time, which was ridiculous. Because <laughs> who cares? Like, who cares? <laughs> like, you know? And it just reminds me also of, like, a whole meta thing when people were like, you know, people were mad. This is one I always go to, even though the movie is bad, is people were mad that Michael B. Jordan was cast as Human Torch. And the movie was bad, but it has nothing. Michael B. Jordan would have been a great Human Torch of a good script, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think it'd be interesting to have a meta t- talk about that in Falcon and Winter Soldier about representation. Uh, because a lot of people were like, ooh, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Bucky or is it going to be Falcon? And to me, the question, it was always going to be Falcon. The only reason it wouldn't be Falcon is if they didn't want to have a black Captain America. And that's 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 my soapbox, but it's also not really, I think it's, Something that would be really cool to see the show address. Yeah. And it's something that I think that Wyatt Russell's casting, who is, you know, Kurt... He looks he looks just like Kurt Russell. I don't know if you've ever seen anything with Wyatt Russell, but he does look just like his father. And Kurt Russell is the all-American hero of the 80s and 70s, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it would make a lot of sense. And I think it would be really cool to see. And I have one last piece of news. All right. So this news came in today. I don't have much to discuss about it because I haven't watched I haven't watched The Watchmen, as they say. But one of the writers for the Watchmen TV show, Stacy Osei-Kufour, is gonna write Blade. Uh, of course, the MCU one, obviously. <laughs> uh, not 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 a new one with uh, Wesley Snipes, even though he's coming back. Uh, well, he's he, he's in the middle of a career comeback. Anyway. Uh, Blade is currently set for no release date, which would make me assume it is coming out in 2023, because that's the year we don't have any Marvel release dates for yet. That's when I presume Ant-Man 3 will come out. Well, mm-hmm. I think Ant-Man 3 will come out in 2022, and Black Panther 2 will come out in 2023, but that's a that's a different story. Uh, but I think that's also when we will get the Fantastic Four reboot, will be in 2023. And of course, I think we'll get Guardians 3 in 2023. Gotcha. Um which I guess would mean earlier, I said Thunderbolts for 2027, so 2026. But anyway, dates. So fun. <laughs> of course, all these movies are probably going to be delayed in every year. But anyway. <laughs> uh, so I haven't watched Watchmen. This is a playwright, though. Always a fan of playwrights getting big in Hollywood. I will say, getting right from Watchmen is interesting to me. Because Watchmen, from what I know... Well, I know the comic is very R-rated. I know the Zack Snyder movie is very R-rated. I know the HBO show is very R-rated. And we've speculated Blade being an R-rated movie. Yeah. I still hope it is. Uh, I guess Deadpool 3 could also come out in 2023. <laughs> we'll jump back to that quickly. Uh, a lot of options. Uh, but anyway, 
I'm always down for playwrights getting a bigger uh, career boost, and I hope that uh, her experience working on an R-rated movie, uh, an R-rated property means this will be R-rated. Oh, I also thought, I didn't put this in the notes, uh, I think it's interesting is that Mahershala Ali has been heavily involved, apparently, with picking the writer. Uh, That's interesting. He, like, he interviewed, well, I don't know if you know, the only reason we're getting a Blade mo- reboot is because Mahershala Ali called up Kevin, well, Kevin Feige he, called him off after he yeah. won, a second, won a second Oscar and was like, hey, whenever you want to do something at our studio, we'd be happy to have you again. Just because you were in this TV show doesn't mean we won't use you again. You're a great actor. Yeah. And Mahershala Ali is like, I want to be Blade. And that was it. Like it was like, all right, you can be played. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, great, sounds good to me. Well, and I think I think right now with the exploration of the multiverse, I think right now is the time to bring in. If they're going to bring in vampires to the MCU, I think now's the time to do it. Um, yeah, and I also think I know Blade is on a team of Moon Knight. Yeah, and Doctor Strange in the comics, and I think it makes sense to do this. I think I think our future of the MCU team up movies is smaller team ups because I think we're gonna get Young Avengers and I think we'll get this team. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, and then we'll also get Blade movies. The Moon Knight show will continue to run, and we will get more Doctor Strange movies. Because uh, I also think Doc, I think they deal with, and I think Scarlet Witch will eventually join that team too. Um, but anyway, uh, what is your opinion on this? Since you've actually watched some of Watchmen, because I have not, I need to. But I've heard you need to read the comic first to understand it, oh. and I haven't done that. Well, yeah, see, I, di- I, didn't, I didn't do that, but um, <laughs> I have, I have only... This going to be so long! <laughs> Sorry, go on! <laughs> I have only seen... I have only seen a few of the earlier episodes of HBO's Watchmen, but I did enjoy the few that I have seen. Um, the suspense in the storytelling of those episodes were really good. Um, I hope we get that same that same uh, storytelling in Blade. Um, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Mr. F- uh, Feige wants to bring vampires into the MCU. All right. Well, I think that's our MCU news. So now we're going to move on to the next segment of our show, which is in the green room, where we talk about what non-MCU thing we watched this week. So I journeyed back to the movie theaters. It's on HBO Max, though. I saw a couple movies. In th- I also saw One Night in Miami in theaters, which is on Amazon Prime Quick. I'll quickly recommend that to anyone listening, but I want to talk more about The Little Things because it was bad, but in a really interesting way to me, is that uh, The Little Things is a crime thriller uh, that came out, I think, last weekend on HBO Max and in theaters. It has Denzel Washington in it, uh, Rami Malek, and future Morbius Jared Leto. (laughs) How do I start talking about this movie? Because the thing is, it's not, it's media, it's watchable. Like, it is completely a watchable movie. It is not, like, an offensively bad film. Uh, but a couple of the performances are <laughs> in it. Uh, but I also think, before I get into performances, this movie takes place in 1990, and I'm pretty sure, and I looked up afterwards, and my, my hunch was right, it's only said in 1990 because the script was initially written in 1990 and it took this long for the script to get produced and instead of updating the script to take place today they're like eh screw it we'll leave it in the 90s <laughs> like <laughs> there was right. no reason for it to be in the 90s <laughs> um so the critics right the critical reaction to this movie has been pretty mixed and a lot of people don't like the performances in it uh and people were complaining about denzel washington being bored in it and i'm like man denzel was the best part of this movie because he might have been bored, but he didn't stand out as bad. Because Rami Malek is in it. He plays, like, the hotshot cop in it. 
Uh, it's a role that I feel like Bradley Cooper would have played like in 2013 before he was really big. Uh, like Denzel and Bradley, like that seems like like it, it's clearly designed for an up and coming actor, right? Yeah. Like that is what the role is. I think today Riz Ahmed could have played the role great. <laughs> Rami Malek though, uh, he has this thing where I guess I'm not too familiar with his work actually after watching because I'm like I guess I haven't seen a lot of movies with this guy. I don't think he can play normal Americans though because he's British and his American accent is kind of like he he talks like let me do an impression of him the whole movie. He's like. He's kind of like a, he sounds kind of like a more stoned Matthew McConaughey, but also if Matthew McConaughey was like British and trying to be American. Because it's like his, that he's is clearly very, still. That is a very distinct. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. And the thing is the entire time he's talking and like, I'm like, okay, so the twist at the end of this movie is going to be that he's the killer. Because he's acting so creepy. Like he has a wife and kids in the movie and he's like. Hey, honey, come here and give me a kiss. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So he, he has to be the murderer. It just, it, and he isn't. Spoiler alert. He's, he's not. He's not the, the ultimate bad guy in the murder investigation. Um, but it's just like, dude, why are you acting like this? And I realize it's because I have the same problem with him, I guess, that I have with James McAvoy, which is that their American accent is so bad. Like, I, I remember seeing It Chapter 2 and thinking, like, man, I don't really even like Jeremy Renner, but he would be doing James McAvoy's role so much better because it'd be the same level of acting I'm getting, but it wouldn't have a distracting bad American accent. And that's what Randy Malek was in this movie. Jared Leto is not good in that movie. He's obviously not good in Suicide Squad. He might be honestly okay in Morbius because it doesn't look like he's trying to do a weird role. But I, there's also a bunch of controversy about Jared Leto that I want to get into. But there's a lot of a lot of iffy there's stuff a, there. A lot of cold a lot of a lot stuff. of smoke. Yep. <laughs> That's all. But there's, there's a lot of smoke. Uh, there's no fire yet. Uh, and yet, for, somehow for this movie, he's gotten nominated this week for a Golden Globe and for a Screen Actors Guild Award. And I'm just like, how? Like, is it because Rami Malek is so bad that Jared Leto appears good? Because most of Jared Leto's scenes are more with Rami Malek than with Denzel. Um, is that why he's getting these roles? These, um, you know, these accolades for it? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Because um, he just plays it like generic creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just very... Jared Leto, I'm talking about. Not Rami. Jared Leto just put... Because he's, like, their, he's their main suspect. And he's, like... He, like, comes in and he's, like, Wow, these crime photos are cool. He doesn't say it like that. But that, that is literally proved to life in the movie. He's, like, Wow. You mu-, he's, like, Wow, you must really think it's me if I'm serious. <laughs> I, I wish I could show you, but this is a podcast, so I can't. But his first appearance in the movie, it's, like, uh, Denzel goes to investigate where he works... And, like, the movie itself was generic, the ending was alright, but Rami Malek and Jared Leto, like, killed it, and not like it, man, you killed it, like, they literally killed the movie, like, they completely ruined it. And I was like, it's been a while since I've seen a movie where it was ruined by the acting. And the thing was, when Rami Malek started in the movie, I was like, oh, he's kind of weird, but then I realized that, like, his character was meant to be, like, a character we really, he's meant to be, have you seen Seven? Like the yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt movie, he's meant to be Brad Pitt in Seven. Like that is the role he's playing. Mm. He's supposed to be the one we trust. Uh, whereas Denzel is more the one who's like older and like I'm not sure if this is a like there's a point to this. You know, he's supposed to be the idealistic one who we trust. And Manuel does not sell that at all. Uh, and as I said, Jared Leto is Jared Leto in it, so he's awful. <laughs> and like, it's just like man, this. Not that it, it would have never been a good movie. The script is generic. But if it had been like 
Riz Ahmed as the cop, uh, it would have been a better, uh, would have been at least more watchable. Uh, not that it wasn't, it kind of became train wreck bad at points because I was like, Rami, what are you doing? But anyway, that's that's the little things which is on in theaters if you wish to risk your life like I did, or on HBO Max if you've spent if you spend fifteen dollars a month to get a free WB movie, and you can't wait a week <laughs> for Judas and the Black Messiah, which looks amazing. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so that's what I watched. Don't watch it, Tyler. I don't think you have HBO Max. I don't. I if don't. You did don't watch it. Not worth it. Uh, and so what'd you watch? I, watched, I think what you watched is on HBO Max, actually. <laughs> I, watched, note, I yeah. watched The Desolation of Smaug, which is the second Hobbit film. Um, first off, I'd like to clear up a mistake from last week. Um, in episode three, I apparently lied that this was the first full Hobbit movie that I had seen. But after watching it this week, I was confused for the first half of the movie because I did not remember any of it. And... There's actually a reason for that. I, back in 2014, I had refused to watch the movie until it was released on DVD, and even then, only watched the parts. Like... I only watched the parts with Smaug because of Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> that makes sense. Can I? Can I? I want to make a quick reference to my life that I want you to continue. Is you sound like me right now because I refuse to watch the new Pixar movie Soul until it's on Blu-ray. Yes, uh, and I can rent a theater to watch it. Uh, but anyway, that you sound like me. But I think your reason makes a lot more sense. That you're like, I just want to see Cumberbatch. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, like, like, I, like I said last week, I had grown up reading these books, and fantasy was the biggest genre of book that I that I read. Uh, so, like, seeing, I'm like, yeah, they're making a Hobbit movie. What? They're making it into three movies. This is just a cash grab. Um, so, anyways, I, I'll get on to a rant there. But um, So, I spent half the movie thinking, but where's the dragon? I remember more of the dragon. And, <laughs> like, I, like, so the whole time I'm sitting on the couch and my wife is engrossed with this film. And I'm just like, where the, where the heck is Benedict Cumberbatch? Like, I, re- I distinctly remember... I th- I was like I think that the I thought the movie started with them outside of uh of this of this mountain and they were gonna go meet the dragon, but yeah, we're yeah, not that, outside of mountain. Favorite, that, yeah, that scene of the movie is my favorite scene in the movie because mm-hmm. one of the dwarfs goes, "We've reached it, the desolation of Smaug." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, lie. man, you really want to put cold that open. <laughs> You really wanted to, to drop that in there, <laughs> but so, imagine if you just said. Imagine if what you're saying is true. And that was the first scene in the movie. Yeah. And as soon as you said the desolation of smog, it was like with every <laughs> word, every word he says, the title appears one word at a time. Desolation of smog. Yes. Uh, and then we get, and then we get the like uh, the Mordor, dun 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 music, like with Lord of the Rings. Uh, but yeah, I had forgotten the weird love triangle. Um, and like the really bad, the really bad CGI, like there were parts of this movie that looked like you said last week, looked like they were from a video game. And I was yeah, like, I want to talk, I, I want to talk about one yeah. scene in this that I really remember, uh, but go on, uh, 
there's one scene in that movie that I'm like, I remember years later about who, like who about her. Oh, that was what? Because you know she's not in the she's not even I don't think she's even in the who Similarin. Who? Yeah. Who? Who? The, the girl. I don't the think girl? she's a character. No, I yeah. think yeah, she's she was written for the movie. That and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to look up something about her, but go on. I want okay. to keep talking. But uh. But so, like, I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, like, where's the dragon? Where's the dragon? And it didn't help that I watched the extended edition, which was even more time added on before I was at the part where I began to recall the film. So, so yeah. Um, that said, it was a fun watch, and I, I I do recommend it. If you like general fantasy films, it's got all the elements of a good fantasy tale, like magic. Swords, elves, dwarves, orcs, uh, good versus evil, dragons. Um, if you want something more, uh, more dragon centric, I guess I'd try Game of Thrones. Um, but yeah. So to be fair, I had protested watching it in full since Legolas was in the film because he was not in the book, and also one book well, equaling <laughs> right because she doesn't exist. <laughs> also one book equaling three movies. The math doesn't add up, Danny. <laughs> it does not add up. But uh, but yeah, if you ever get the chance, uh, check out the video of Benedict Cumberbatch CGI acting. I've as seen Matt. that. No, I've seen that. Work. I remember seeing that a long time ago. I can't find what I'm looking for. Um, but I remember that an interesting fact about Toriel is I if I remember right. Do you know Shershi's uh, Sh- 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 Ronan? That's how you say her name. You know Shershi's Ronan, the actress. Uh, if I remember right, she was she was becoming a big deal around the time Hobbit came out. Shershi's Sh- Sh- Ronan was in the final round to play Scarlet Witch in Avengers Endgame, not Endgame, Age of Ultron, and she lost out to the little no. No, that's not true. The, the the story is she was offered the role of Scarlet Witch. Then she turned it down because she's like, I want the role in Star Wars. I'm auditioning for... St-. She was auditioning for Rey. You know, like, at the oh, time, yeah. it was just the female lead of Star Wars. I want Star Wars. Uh, and then she was, again, offered the role of Tario in Desolation of Smaug. And she's like, I want Rey. And then she lost out to Rey. So she's not in any big franchise movie. Now, ultimately, I think this is a good thing. Because uh, sure, she's Ronin is one of the greatest actors of her generation, and her wasting her time in these movies would be such a disappointment. Because we'll get into this later with the WandaVision episode, but I feel like Elizabeth Olsen's career is honestly stunted because of her role of Wanda, because she constantly has to film these movies where she never really had a big role. Finally, they're giving her good material in this show, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is why everyone's talking about how she was going to be the next great actress. Um... But, you know, it's been such a long time since we've seen that because mm-hmm. she has to constantly be filming these movies. Uh, and the same thing would have happened for sure. She's Ronan if she got all these roles. Because she was in Little Women. She was in Brooklyn. She was in Lady Bird. All these. I know, I know. I don't think you've seen any of those movies, but she's great in all of them. I also think she's been really creepy in Desolation of Smile because at the time she's like, because she, I don't know how old she is, but she still appears like she could play like a high schooler. Uh, and I don't think that really fit. And I think also that'd be weird for Scarlet Witch where they eventually took her with Vision. I, I think there's a weird age gap already with Scarlet Witch and Vision, but that would be more pronounced to sure she's Ronan in the role. Uh, but that's my, my that's my funny story that actually ties it into WandaVision. The one thing I want to talk about with The Hobbit, too, that's why I'm, I should call this The Hobbit. I think people being like, 
I think we. Sh- I remember at the time it was like Hobbit two and Hobbit three. I thought it was very funny because no one. I don't think anyone at the time was like, "Are you gonna go see Lord of the Rings 2? You know, like it was like, "Are you right. gonna see the Two Tower?" I think it's really funny the idea of this being Hobbit two. But anyway, <laughs> the barrel scene. I remember that scene vividly. Six years later, because there's a GoPro shot in it, and it doesn't make any sense why there's a GoPro shot in it. <laughs> Because the movie is, like, clearly so expensive, and it just has this shot with the cheapest camera imaginable. <laughs> this is also yeah. a rant on GoPros? No. <laughs> well, well, it's not. Go- GoPros are fine. They shouldn't be in big-budget movies. No. And, again, it's because it's because of the camera, though, too. It's not just the, fir- the first-person views wouldn't be as bad if they weren't, like, with that camera. It's going to be interesting talking about it. I presume we're going to talk about the third one next week. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm planning uh, on planning on watching... Uh, the Battle of the Five Armies that I don't Bofa. think it actually happened. The Hobbit happened. Bofa. That's what I call it. Bofa. Yeah, Bofa. sure. Before we move on to talking about WandaVision, I want to talk about the bit of um, entertainment news today that I feel like we should ad- Well, it's not really something we should address because it's not like it's a groundbreaking thing, but it's something that to me kind of means something even though it's it's an actor who has passed away and who's older. Um, Christopher Plummer has passed away earlier today. And I think it's kind of interesting that we now have a podcast that we can use the form to discuss this thing. Because I feel like, this is just me, t- let's talk a little about death in general. I feel like posting eulogies of celebrities on social media is weird. Because uh, we are not connected to them. Uh, the only one I think I've remembered doing was I did Robin Williams. And then earlier this year I tweeted mm-hmm. about uh, Chadwick Boseman when he passed away. Uh, and I think it's important though, especially in a media podcast, to talk about this stuff and like what the legacy of these actors mean to us. And I think Christopher Plummer is the first one since we started this a month ago that I think we can both say actually somewhat, like we knew who he was. And I think yeah. to me, Christopher Plummer's death, I don't want to say hurts, but it feels more than any other recent older celebrity death because Christopher Plummer's last decade of acting has been so good. And he's had a couple very high profile films, uh, his la- his last film being Knives Out is like a perfect send off to him, that. I yeah, think. it is. Yeah, and then of course a couple years ago you rem- you remember this. I don't know if you do, but like he got an Academy Award for repl- not Academy Award, but he got a nomination for replacing Kevin Spacey in a movie three months before the movie was supposed to come out, and he did it. And I saw that. I don't know if you ever saw them. It was all the money in the world, but he was the best part of that movie. Like, by far. Like, everything else in the movie was like, eh, whatever. But Christopher Plummer's like, yeah, this is a good good supporting performance. And even ignoring the story behind it. And then, of course, I grew up watching Sound of Music, like, all the time. I got to see it in the 70mm film at the Music Box a couple years ago. And I remember nice. just, like, being blown away from finally seeing it in a the theater. Because, you know, I watched that movie on DVD all the time with my dad growing up. And, like, you skip... A- the movie's so long. You skip around the scenes all the time. And singing in a theater just blew me away. Uh, and Christopher Plummer's a really good part of that. And I think it's interesting also... This is mostly me talking, but I'll let you give your eulogy after me. Because I feel like I feel like eulogies are, like, you know, your own thing, you know? Uh, but anyway, uh, it's interesting to talk about the sound of music of Christopher Plummer as well. Because Christopher Plummer uh, hated it. Like, it ruined... I don't want to say it ruined his career, but I believe it led to typecasting his career, and he hated being recognized for it. He thought his singing was bad in the movie. But I think it's important to recognize it, too, because I think as he grew older, he knew the importance that film had in a lot of people's lives. Because it is a... 
it's i don't want to say like i feel like saying movies are important is weird but i think the sound of music is legitimately i think movies stop being important to adults but i think as a kid movies are very important in forming you well and, i think and media is very important in forming the yeah. ideals you have and i think the sound of music is a very strong film for that especially as being an older musical that is affected both sound of music and mary poppins are julie andrews movies that affected generations on how they view the world and i think christopher Plummer is a big part of the sound of, like obviously he's the romantic lead of it uh but i think i think what's interesting about christopher Plummer's role in the sound of music um what's interesting about the role of christopher Plummer in sound of music is that it is a very strong portrayal in the second half of it after the intermission of a masculinity that we aren't usually afforded in movies like that where he is a very strong masculine man who loves his family because most movies like that you know they would end when the wedding happens you know and sound music goes on for like another 45 minutes and during that time he is just a very admirable person and he's an admirable person the whole movie it's just he has his priorities mixed up uh but in most screwball comedies you know we stop once it's solved but in sound music we get to see him be a good father and i think that's very important and I think Christopher Plummer embodied that well. And whenever I watch Sound of Music, if I cry, it's during when he sings Edelweiss. Uh, and Christopher Plummer, you know, wasn't he didn't consider himself a great singer. I think he's actually dubbed at a couple points in the movie. But I think at the if I remember right, at the end when he sings it at and he breaks down crying, I think that's actually him. Uh, and that's such a great moment. And anyway, uh, he's he's gone now. He lived along like ninety two years. And as I said, I think Knives Out is a phenomenal last role for him so uh anyway yeah this is a media podcast so i think we should talk about the big figures in media who pass away particularly the media members who mean something to us so do you have anything you want to say about christopher Plummer? the movie that i remember him most um for and that's because it's the most recent one that i've seen him in is knives out the moment the moments that he is on screen he makes the most of, and he make he makes such a big impact. Now, of course, that plays right into um, the plot of the plot of Knives Out. But I think, uh, yeah, I think what's interesting about his performance in Knives Out is that every character in that movie, besides every character in that movie that's in that family, is not a good person. And even though we can assume, well. I don't think Christopher Plummer's character is a perfect person either, but he is a warm person who knows that he is not a good person. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's trying to atone for that. And I think even though he's really only in the movie for 10 minutes, Christopher Plummer just sells the warmth of it. And I can't imagine him having a better really final role uh, because it is just, he, as you said, he makes the most of it and leaving the mm-hmm. movie, like leaving the movie, there are so many actors in that movie. Uh, and I remember being like, Christopher Plummer isn't going to be anyone's like top person they remember from this movie, but he really did like he was like I would list him as one of the top five in this movie, especially yeah. in the supporting cast because I really only could think of because obviously the two leads in Chris Evans, I really can only think of Michael Shannon, Tony Collette besides them and they're just more funny characters in it. I think Christopher Plummer does a very good job. That's the thing too is Christopher Plummer's role is so pivotal. He sets the stakes of the movie because during you know his big scene. Uh, Marta is kind of just in shock the whole time. He has to take control of the situation, mm-hmm. and he does a really good job of. He was also he also voice acted in uh, the Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim, oh. which 
<laughs> you know, I, I said. Say, I thought you were gonna say up. I thought you because you said oh, Pixar movie oh, up. See, <laughs> I, have, I have never seen. I have never seen up. So. I was so ready to talk about up, and you're like, oh, Skyrim. No. I was like, oh, well, never mind. Yeah, um, so <laughs> we'll go. Well, back yeah, what to, you say about Skyrim? Fan, I don't know anything fantasy. about Skyrim. So it's yeah. a, it's a video game came out in 2011. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So um. So. Yeah, I I used to play it until I took an arrow to the knee. And he voice acts uh Arngear, which is one of the main characters in the in the main story, main quest on in Skyrim. Like he had a, such a distinct voice and it was so it was always clear and pronounced. His voice acting is really is really good in that game. So I'm always going to that like my that's your, fond, that's like my fond moment. Like, exactly. I don't want to be like, exactly. you with Skyrim because it didn't come out that early in your life. But it's something where like that was a very formative experience that he was an inherent part of that was so big, right? Yeah. 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 It, well, exactly. Because he was such a big part of of the countless hours that I stayed up till four in the morning going through dungeons and uh, trying to shout at dragons and knock him out of the sky so yeah so yeah but uh but yeah no he's he'll be a huge hollywood talent that will be sorely missed he's a great he, he was he was a great actor uh all right and now from that we'll move on to our discussion of the episode from this point on we will be openly discussing up this episode of wandavision uh, episode five which is a very special episode um and we're going to speculate, so possibly we'll get to, into some speculating spoilers of future shows or future movies in the MCU. And, for, of course, future episodes of WandaVision. Uh, this said, um, we don't have any knowledge about these future spoilers. Uh, we'll gladly take credit when it comes true, which we will gladly take credit at one point during this episode <laughs> at one thing. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh we're not going to address leaks. There's your spoiler warning. So, WandaVision episode 5. So, it was a few weeks ago you asked me if my nostalgia for like a Brady Bunch episode yeah. was met by the episode. And I said no. Uh, so, I know you have a nostalgia for the 80s. Was it fulfilled by this episode? No. No. But, uh, <laughs> but... I am very much satisfied with this episode. I've got this weird nostalgia for this decade that I've never lived in. Um, I read an interesting... Um, I want to talk about the... I, I, this is related to nostalgia for the 80s, actually. I read an interesting idea last week that ended up not being true. It was a speculation that I read after we recorded our podcast. Was that we are going to jump straight to the 90s this week. Because apparently you could view a lot of last week's episode, the filmmaking style, was similar to 80s movie, which I can buy. It was very Raiders of the Lost Ark at points. Uh, or like Spielberg, like more like Close Encounters, more like Close Encounters okay. of the Third Kind, which is seventies. But you know, Spielberg is very associated with the eighties. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Even though I still got that more generic Marvel vibe, but I feel like that would have been. I was like, that's an interesting observation with the eighties, because uh, the filmmaking style was kind of similar to early Spielberg. But I also think a lot of nowadays gen- generic blockbuster feels like Spielberg. Yeah, because he's the king of blockbusters, right? Right. And I also want to say, if you have a weird nostalgia for the eighties. Let me tell you, uh, there's a Wonder Woman movie out that's literally designed uh, to be an 80s movie. Uh, even though there was actually, I don't know if you've caught up on the discourse on that. A lot of people were bummed that there weren't more, wasn't more 80s music in it. 
But I actually, I don't know. I don't want to talk about Wonder Woman 1984, but I think that's a silly complaint. Music isn't just what captures a vibe of a decade. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I will. But uh, yeah. We could go into. Uh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. But, and of course, like, there was no 80s music this episode, right? So we didn't. You no. know, like, 80s music is not just the vibe. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, um, like, I don't watch Guardians of the Galaxy and be like, wow, I'm in the 70s. But anyway, uh, I want to talk, before we get into the episode, about aspect ratios. Because I thought it was very interesting that this episode, the sitcom... Okay, so the main world... I saw a funny tweet earlier this week where it was like, Yo, bro, did you notice that like the TV stuff is in TV format and the real world stuff is in Marvel format? And I was like, yep, that that's how aspect ratios work. And also, it's that there are words for it. that You don't need to call it Marvel format. Mar- the Marvel <laughs> format that's been around since before Marvel Studios made films. But uh <laughs> yes um the first thing I noticed about this episode was that the aspect ratio of sitcom scenes was in 169 which makes no sense because we didn't jump to 169 televisions until the early 2000s like I don't know what show this is supposed to pair do you do you know I have no idea I don't know 80 sitcoms I my guess would have been Fresh Prince of course cuz that's what I think of is that, or is that 90s? I think that's 90s I don't know uh, yeah, well, I don't even, yeah. I think of maybe um, the Steve, the show of Urkel. Um, family but I also didn't get that vibe matters. from this. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get that vibe from this person. I, did, I didn't either. Um, 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 but my point is, all these shows were shot in the still the 4-3 aspect ratio. And this episode was not. Roseanne. And I was. Roseanne did. Yeah, yeah. again, though. 4-3. That's true. 4-3 That's true. aspect ratio. Uh, and I was wondering, I was like, hmm, I wonder why we switched to 16.9. My, my theory is if I was, if I got to ask Matt Shackman, the director of the depths about it, he might be, well, we're starting to blend the worlds together more. That would be my only guess on why they're doing this. Um, but I was very surprised to see that like this. Mm-hmm. It also might just be, you know, they want to, once we shift out of the, the small box, we're going to go wide no matter what for the rest of the time. You know what That's I mean? That's true. Or a bit wider. Because pretty much the big turning point of this show has been Monica being thrown out of Wanda's world. Uh, I know we call it Westview, but I like calling it Wanda's world more. Uh, but anyway, that's that's my geek talk that we got to get out of the way first is aspect ratio. Because uh, I thought it, it's not that it was bad or inaccurate. Because I know like there's a lot of people who just be like inherently like, they did it wrong. That's not historically accurate. But is this I is this the was... return of disgruntled Marvel fan? this isn't this is yeah i guess um marvel hater i don't know i don't know if marvel hater cares much about aspect ratios though either i think it's just the solely a me thing Um, (laughs) this is this is danny on on our out our own bank reminds me reminds me of um you want me to rant about aspect ratios i'm just gonna do a quick this is this is disgruntled aspect ratio man is like <laughs> i don't understand why the grand budapest hotel switches aspect ratios but yet there is a sequence in it where it goes to a 169 ratio but yet it squeezes into a box instead of just making it fill the whole screen widely i don't get it why is why why is it just a whole box blocking the screen we don't need a complete letterbox all right there you go there's my my rants about aspect ratios take that wes anderson been seven years but i'm not over it anyway <laughs> anyway so to, we can to now now episode. now WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> all right so at the top of the sh- at the top of the show 
uh, the twins, the twins, we have the twins, um, obviously, the twins. um, but they are, Vision and Wanda are trying to get them to go to sleep, uh, Wanda says something about they've been up all night, and, uh, then once the babies are in the cribs, she's, she says, go to sleep, and she tries to magic them to sleep, which has kind of been her go-to, um, this, this show where she's like, oh, I've got a problem, let's solve it with my uh magic and it doesn't work and she looks she looks completely confused um she's and she says why won't you do what i want um so this is this is one big reason i feel supported for believing that wanda is not the mastermind behind the hex as darcy calls it later on in the episode um also, a comment she later says to Vision, I don't know how any of this started, but, le- but like, she also says that, but uh, I also don't want to put the cart before the horse, because that's way at the end Here's of the, the episode. Thing. To me, with that comment, I I thought she was lying. I thought she, uh, I, the other thing we can talk about, but to me, I, I'm ready to completely dismiss her comment to Vision. It's like, I don't know how this started. I think she's lying. I don't think she wants, because she doesn't want Vision to know that he died. Like, you know, it is inherently something that she wants hit him from him uh so to me i just took that as a lie like i think she knows how this started yeah the question is because we see later on that she can leave whenever she wants she just does not want to right right uh, which is completely understandable uh but we'll get into that later um i think i think the theory that i was had some going around previously well it's not even a theory it's that we know that in the comics or I think you told me this is that in the comics, eventually that even though Billy and Tommy start as like constructs that Wanda has created in the reality, mm-hmm. um, they are eventually autonomous. Um, so yeah, that's what the thing is, is that I think, I don't know. Like I, I, I it could be a hint that someone's behind it, but it also could just be a hint that Billy and Tommy Wanda doesn't control. And I'm curious right. about something else that we that Wanda can control or not that we will talk about at the end. Because here's the thing. I'm going to talk around it when I say this. Is that a lot of shows, and it's not just this show, a lot of weekly shows, the discussion is always on the cliffhanger. And that's how Marvel is too. I think this episode a lot to discuss in the middle of it before we can talk about the end. Because the ending is more just implications. Uh, but I do think that's something to discuss later on. Uh, on if... Because I don't think... Obviously, we know Wanda can't control Vision. That is incredibly clear. Uh, I don't think she can control these kids either. Mm-hmm. Because I think... Because here's the thing. is like I think... I think... Even though it works as a joke later on, the kid's aging up, right? Yeah. Like, it works as a joke. Because, like, you can have it when he's 10. They're like, okay! They're 10. You know? It's funny. It works. Um, but I also think that Wanda's perfect little reality. She wants kids... Yeah, he, I hate to be like this. Society values younger children more. That's just a fact. Society values the innocence of younger children more. Uh, which gets me excited. I'm going to hint and nudge, nudge at this for the 2000s episode. Because to me, I don't know how you do the 2000s episode without the kids being teenagers. Yep. With what I know they're riffing mm-hmm. off of. Did I tell you what they're riffing no, off but, of? No, but out? I've seen the mid-season trailer. And I, so I've got a very, uh, very good idea of what they're going yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very excited. That will be the episode you have to ask me about my nostalgia for, because that's the only one of these episodes that's riffing off a sitcom I really like. 
But anyway, um, so to me, I don't think she can control these children. I don't think she can control Vision. Uh, I'm very curious. To me, we, let's move on to the next. Let's move on to the next talk because I want to talk about Agnes. Because uh, I think, and I want to talk about something first, and then we can get to your point. Okay. Uh, is that I thought it was incredibly interesting that break in reality there, where she's like, "Can we take it from the top?" Yeah. Because that that was like very much like a. I don't want it was I don't want to call it a fourth wall break because it's not it's a very intentional uh line that plays off the idea that they're they're on a set Mm -hmm. doing this but the thing is we know they're not on a set doing this and it doesn't even appear like a set to them like they are in a world yeah they're in a world that appears like a bunch of sets but it's like it's a bunch of sets uh it's not a soundstage is my point and there's obviously no director there unless we're counting Wanda as a director right Mm mm-hmm so to me, I was just like, hmm, that's a very interesting thing to do. But anyway, Agnes. But, uh... And also, Vision was like, yeah, why are you here? Like, you know, he was like, why is she always here with stuff we need? I don't remember if it was at the first one. It was at the kitchen. Oh, no, it was later on with the dog. Yeah. It was the dog. Mm-hmm. It was the dog. But anyway, uh, what do you want to talk about Agnes but first? But yeah, Ag... Like... Oh, by the way, I, I don't have this in our notes, but I do want to talk about the theme song before we jump after this i want to talk about the okay for once so at like agnes appearing right on cue as always um and instigating throughout um one (laughs) i'm and i've been pushing this since since the first episode but uh i'm convinced ralph her husband is mephisto one we've never seen ralph and which to me is very odd given sitcoms they don't have many they don't have many characters that they leave off screen that we don't hear like that we we hear about but want, we never you hear, want to hear my favorite unless, joke speculation sorry, uh, my favorite joke speculation i heard that? about ralph is that we'd see him next week but we'd only see the top of his face from over a from over oh, a fence like it's a, the 90s uh, and it's home improvement yes home improvement it's all, yes but yeah, sorry, sorry. That's why I was like, yeah, maybe we'll see Ralph next week. <laughs> that, that, or we'll see his eyes. That <laughs> would be funny, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm convinced Ralph is actually Mephisto. Uh, speaking of him, we've never seen him before. He was also not cast on Wu and Darcy's board in the last episode. So, Do you want to hear another, uh, something to add on that cast thing? Is that I read that, you know, I said it was only Dottie and agnes who are not yeah the mailman was also not on there and we uh no this wasn't the first the mailman we, we've seen him in the second episode he was yeah. in the, he was in the no yeah no yeah and there's a theory going around that well no no sorry my bad no that's not that's a different theory never mind uh speaking of which though with that topic uh we talked about the, the recap on our own a bit earlier because we don't like the recap uh, guys, the recap is dumb and it's not skippable and it's still annoying. But the recap made a big deal. We didn't talk about this last week about Jimmy Wu was there to look for a witness he had, a person he had in witness protection who went missing. And the recap mentioned that again. So I think that will come back because that has not been identified. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's the guy who's not. Maybe that honestly, that's probably what's more likely to be the mailman. I feel like. Uh, but I'm just saying, Mephisto, with that guy was not. Maybe it's the mailman. <laughs> it's the mailman. 
Mephisto is the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, and I also saw another theory involving Mephisto that we haven't discussed, which is that Mephisto has been the animals. Mm. The bunny who messed up the talent show and the, the stork. stork who was running around. And he could, I guess, be the dog this episode. He could be Sparky That's this true. episode. That's true. Because where are these animals coming from? Um, you know, Right. And that, that actually that goes, that plays with something that Vision mentions later on, which we will talk about. But uh, when we get to talk about the children, just overall. Yeah. Yep. And then you wanted to talk about... Uh, Agnes, right? Ag- yeah, Agnes, so, she, like, when she first uh, says that she can take care of the babies while they still are babies, um, she starts spraying something over there, over them. She says it is lavender, but Vision says that, like, he mentions that he sees something else. Like, he says to Wanda, do you see what she is spraying over the babies? And I'm, I'm really curious as to what that might be because we do not see we don't get this wide shot of the whole room of the whole set we just get this close-up shot of vision and wanda um of these two conflicting uh this conflict that we've got between those two characters but yeah so i i don't really I have any speculation as to oh she's my guess magic on the lavender on could but yeah I think the mag- yeah, I think the lavender, if it is something, could be something related to our the aging, which um, it could be something that could trigger the aging. Gotcha. Because one of the theories that again we haven't discussed, or rather, it's not even a theory; it's a motive. Because we we've discussed who's behind it, but we haven't discussed motive really. Um, and a motive I've been seeing floating around is that the motive is to create this reality so we can have these super powerful children. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. With the idea that we can use Wanda to create new beings that can be useful. New mutants. To no. some nefarious purpose. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Like the new being. Um, but yeah, uh, that would fit in with the aging thing. Uh, before we talk about our next actual time, I want to talk about the theme song. Sure. Um, which, I would. this was a... I, I, I adored the theme song this time because of the baby pictures of vision which to me it's the first time and we'll get into this more of course i think also i think it ties in great thematically with something later in this episode where vision at the end goes i don't remember my history at all yeah and then we get this entire fictional history of vision during the opening credits uh where he's like a kid and i'm just like oh my gosh this is ridiculous and this that to me is the only like earlier i was like these credits are non-canon this one was like, yep, this is definitely non-canon, but I think it's fascinating. I think this is a very, like, because now, in the past, it, you know, the show has just been talking about rewriting their present. This is them rewriting their past mm-hmm. through the this opening credits. Because Wanda's stuff was obviously different, too, because it didn't have Pietro, Pietro, it's fun to say. Uh, and it didn't have any, like, and it was her as a baby, like, being fine with life. Right? Yeah. So I thought it was um, I I like the opening credits a lot um, this week. Um, I also thought it was great how they had like that very chintzy, whereas all the Everest ones we got have been like very like that was the thing too. This sitcom was different than the other ones we had because the other ones were all comedy like pure comedy. Mm-hmm. This was meant to be more like a dramedy like life lesson TV show. Yep, which I thought was interesting too, and that of course fit with the theme song being so uh, schmaltzy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I really like the theme song. I <laughs> this episode. Well, the song was whatever. I like the sequence. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like that, in, there's, there's me gushing about <laughs> something irrelevant to the plot. Well, in, we have to have those at least once. In the, so we have the... <laughs> in, the in the opening sequence, we do see the the kids age. I noticed that the second time that I watched through, I was like, oh, the kids actually do age in the like they grow up. You know how we see baby pictures of Wanda, baby baby Vision, um, and then how they grew <laughs> up. They also did this with the kids too. <laughs> Um, I cracked up also at the at Santa Vision. Oh my yes. gosh, Santa Vision was amazing. <laughs> I, I think it's also all these pictures. I'm just imagining Paul Bettany on says like, "All right, today's a photo shoot day. You gotta get in your vision makeup." He's like, "All right, what are we doing?" Oh god, that was the worst Paul Bettany accent ever. Uh, but anyway, he's like, "What are we doing?" And then he's like, "Oh, we're, you're gonna be Santa. You're gonna dress up for Halloween." <laughs> like he's like, "All right, let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> so how? How are the kids aging, aging so fast? Um, Wanda obviously is not doing it of her own accord because we see from the very beginning of the episode that she she seems to have no effect on those kids with her with her magic. Um, so, I mean, that opens up a slew of of questions. But I'm thinking maybe this is, is this Agnes's doing because Agnes is around each time that the kids age. Um, so going to that theory of Ag- Ag- Agnes being Agatha Harkness, be- which is a witch in the comics, um, could be her agitating that to do, to do that. I think I'm going to lean more towards maybe creations of this reality can control the reality of their own accord. If, if that makes sense. Which would make sense also if ignoring the animals Mephisto character, yeah, right? Yeah. The stork obviously was manifested within the reality and Wanda couldn't stop it, yep. right? The stork could just do whatever it wanted. Um, so that would make sense there too. Uh, I wanted to say something. I can't remember. Because uh, something you said reminded me of something that happened later in the episode that we don't have on our list. So it's all like, hmm, what was it? Uh, oh, it was... Um, I think it's really interesting. We can talk about this now. Is that later on in the episode, the kids are like, wait, but it was Saturday this morning. How can it be Monday now? Yeah. So I thought that is interesting too, that the kids are aware of this too, even if they have bizarre aging powers, uh, which I think, I, I think, and I hope the show dives into that a bit more. I think the idea of children growing up, being able to control how quick they grow up is a horrifying idea. That is legitimately like like a horror story. Yeah. Um, because kids want to grow up, and then when they grow up, the, but I, in society, like when we grow up, we're like, ah, oh, I wish I was a kid more. And the idea of a kid just like being like, you know, in a couple of days, like, yeah, literally a day, it's like, yeah, I'm 10 now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's terrifying. Yeah. Because <laughs> when they, like, it's just the fact when they get to be 20 and they can't age themselves back, they're going to regret what they did, you know? Right. Uh, and that to me is just like, this is terrifying. Uh, and I don't think this show is going to get to that existential um, terror at all. Maybe young Avengers will, if these kids stick around, but I'm just like, gee, this is heavy. <laughs> this is very, and that to me, that's what I think is really interesting. about. This. I think the show is incredibly heavy in uh, this episode did that more than ever. I uh, made its themes of grief way more explicit. 
which brings me to the next point I want to talk about, which is when we get to the real world and we catch up with Monica. And again, I want to talk about the recap a bit because I think the recap, even though it's annoying, I think, I think it is, it, it goes after what it does to talk about both theme, intended theme, and about intended plot stuff. Like what I mentioned with Jimmy Woo and the witness. They were like, make sure you don't forget this. It will be important later, right? Um, and in this case, it very much stressed about Monica losing her mother in the snap. And obviously, this whole show is about Wanda dealing with losing vision to Thanos. Yeah, right? yeah. And in a way, Monica lost her mother to Thanos. Um, and I think, and that's why I think Monica, and the, the, the episode makes it explicit. Monica's like, I think Wanda is just grieving. And I think that's a, uh, something we need to give her sympathy and figure out what's going on. Because if we just escalate things and make it worse, it's going to get Well, you, awful. you see how, you see how quick, how quickly S.W.O.R.D. is to say that, uh, Wanda is a terrorist and that you know and i mean of course they and you can tell you can, have... you can tell you can tell that's a that's one thing where it's like okay i know this is primarily a show the mcu is primarily for kids but i love how obvious they make it that it's wrong because literally as soon as he says that monica jimmy woo and darcy are like mm, no right and like we know they're the heroes right like they, they are the they are heroes in the real world yeah so they're like all right so wanda and that to me in a way that being as blunt as it is, tips the hand that Wanda... There has to be someone else behind this than Wanda. Mm-hmm. Because these three who are heroes in the real world would not all be defending Wanda. And in a way, in a way I, I'm like, that's a little lazy. Uh, right? That was my, one of my... I had a few issues with this episode, even though I did like it overall. Uh, and that was one of them, which is that I think it would have been okay for either Jimmy or Dar- one of them to have issues with that. You know? Yeah. Like, we don't need them all to agree... In fact, it would be probably better for their arcs if one of them disagrees and there's proven long later, you know? Right. But I also guess, I guess also Jimmy and Darcy are probably in this show not intending to have arcs. I think the only arcs we're getting are Wanda, Vision, and Monica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, we don't need, like, we don't need it. It doesn't need to be, co- like, <laughs> to compare to the other Disney Plus show on here uh, that's out, is compared to The Mandalorian, this show is packed in more character development in five episodes, and that show has in sixteen episodes, episodes two, two seasons, seasons. Yeah, yeah, two over two seasons, um, which is honestly though that's more an indictment of the Mandalorian than it is a positive of Wandavision. Because I don't, th- I don't, I don't think Wanda, I, I don't want to be like Wandavision hasn't put in the work because it, ha- I think it has. I think actually, obviously, it's a bit early to say it. I think so far I've been very impressed with Wandavision compared to other MCU work because it's really taking its time with the characters and letting it build out in a way. And I don't think with the exception always of my, my go-to exceptions are black Panther, Thor Ragnarok and both the guardians movies. I think this is more thematically tight so far than anything I've seen by them. And I think it clearly has a focus on looking at grief. And I think that even ties into the children aging and how we, grieve the time we miss with people that's true because uh, one Wanda... kind of the tie and honestly yeah 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 because like that is what i think this that's why i think the show is ultimately going to be about. yeah it's going to be about how we don't we always regret losing time with people we love uh 
because that's what has happened with Wanda. She's lost love, like she's lost time mm-hmm. with people she's loved, and it's really like people to like. There's a huge Wanda contingent, like Wanda fans, before this show came out, right? And I've always been like, I don't like her, but on paper, I get why she is very compelling. And this show is making it explicit: is that her origin is she, her parents died. She was taken in by Hydra, abused by Hydra, both her brother. They escape. By the time they escape, though, her brother dies pretty much in the process of escaping that thing. Then she's alone. Her only real friend is a robot who betrays her because she want, he believes in following a law that she does not. Uh, and then when she gets back together with the one person she loves, he's killed. And she has to kill him. Yep. And then she has to kill him, and then he's brought back to and life. Then she and watches then him die. Yeah, yeah. And then she wakes up five years later, uh, discovering that yeah, everyone else got their loved ones back, but she did not. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, this is very heavy. And I think this, it's something that I feel like you could shy away from. Like, if Kevin Feige wanted, he could just have ended Wanda's story at Endgame you know say she retired and we don't continue on with her and i think i don't want to say it is brave to make a disney plus show about in a marvel universe because it's not like this is a guaranteed success but i do think it is brave so far to give us what we've gotten and i think i hope it nails the landing because there are so many easy ways to cheap out on this yeah uh and i've seen so many miniseries that cheap out on the end uh but right now i'm really impressed at where it is and how it's dealing with its emotional depth, which we'll get into more with some specific scenes, but I felt like explicitly mentioning Monica dealing with her mother being again something where she came back from the snap. Same thing, she, she came back from the snap and she lost time. She lost two years of her mom that she's yeah. never gonna get. Well, and there's also the comment uh, she makes about Captain Marvel, too. I think, yeah, I think that line is very... You have it listed, because we're going to talk about it, and how she mentions the aerospace engineer. I don't think the aerospace engineer is Captain Marvel. Oh, Uh, no, I I don't know if that's what you're implying. No, no, I I was talking about... I think she probably hates Captain Marvel. And that's what I was uh, mentioning. Because she abandoned her. Yeah. Yeah. She abandoned her as a kid and never came back. And then, as far as she knows, her mom died without ever seeing her again. Right. But yeah, and then when Jimmy Woo is like, "Oh, Captain Marvel's cool," and she's like, "No, she's not. She ditched right. me." Right. And then when and, Captain and Marvel, when Captain Marvel came back, like she was, she was snapped. Monica was snapped at that time. When Marvel, when Captain Marvel does come back, and then I assume at the end of Endgame, Captain Marvel's like, "All right, adios. We're done. We beat him. I'm gone." Doesn't Jimmy Woo say something like? Doesn't he say something like? Because I know he mentions. Yeah, yeah, he's like, Wanda could have killed Thanos, but then they got an assist by Captain Marvel. And you know what I thought at the time? Monica was like, you know, if Captain Marvel was here right now, if Carol was here right now, she could have stopped him before he even snapped. And that this would have happened. And I hope that drama is um, brought to life in Captain Marvel, too. I do, too. Because to me, honestly, the Captain Marvel line was more like a throw. Like, ooh, we're going to have this character in Captain Marvel, too. Because Marvel does that all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do think, I think there's a, I think Monica is interesting. I think from the bits we've had of her that isn't exposition, she's a very fascinating character because I think she is steeped in grief. I think she's a good counterpoint to Wanda. Wanda is steeped in grief and she doesn't want to confront it. I think 
Monica is the same way, but Monica is choosing to engross herself into something that is completely out of, I don't want to say out of her league, but somewhat out of her league. Whereas Wanda is just going like, well, I'm going to pretend nothing is wrong. Yeah. I, I have this, I have this ability to pretend to create my own reality. So, you know, it's kind of a, if I don't have to face my problems and I can find an easier solution, then I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, as I said, I think this is such a thematically rich way to go about it. Um, because as I said, I don't think Marvel movies, besides the four I mentioned, really have cohesive themes. Um, I think Endgame does also, but I think Endgame is not as focused on them. But besides those ones, uh, they don't really have themes. And this so far has been very um, locked on to what it wants. And I think specifically of how Vision is portrayed in this episode... Uh, when Wanda and their relationship it kind of reminds me of something I heard once uh, but actually it's kind of like the movie that I talked about a few weeks ago Sound of Metal where um, I'm going to spoil this movie Sound of Metal so if you don't want to listen to this part just skip ahead a minute um, is there two minutes wait till Tyler starts talking again basically so Tyler when I'm done spoiling this movie start talking um, so the movie is about as I said it's about a deaf drummer and a drummer that goes deaf and his girlfriend takes him to the place where he like a deaf school and that is implied well it's not implied it's said that he was a heroin addict and she cut herself all the time uh before they got together and then they started like really leaning on each other and working together and becoming better people and then at the end of the movie he gets cochlear implants and goes to meet her and there is no spark at all because she has already gotten her life back together too and that to me is what like it's like you can't go back right you can't get back something you've lost necessarily even if you work to get it back sometimes things are just gone and i feel like that's the vibe i'm getting with vision and wanda in this show too and you see the fact that i'm talking about this and comparing it to like a movie that i saw that i really adored like in a rich thematic sense to me is something that I haven't been able to do with the MCU. I don't think ever. Uh, so again, I really hope this show sticks the landing because it's going to be really disappointing if it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, to me. Yeah. I, uh, speaking of like the, I'm word vomiting right now. All right. So we back to the, yeah, back to the plot. Yeah, back to the plot. <laughs> uh, so, Back to the, the events <laughs> of Civil War are finally mentioned again, including the Sokovia Accords and the Lagos incident. Um, to me, that's... The Lagos incident was the uh, the ad, too. Yeah, yeah. The commercial, exactly. too. Exactly. So, yeah. like, that storyline needed, still needs more gravity in the MCU, especially given its source material. Um, so, uh, it, like... Yeah, the comic, I mean, the comic Civil War, it was huge. And then there was Civil War 2. So, like, we could just talk a whole episode on that. We obviously don't need to. But, um, but no, it's, well, it's like... Two, I honestly think Civil War 2 will happen eventually. I, I think so, too. You know, Captain Marvel's a main yeah. character in it. I just don't know who the other side will be, because it won't be Iron Man, obviously. Right. But, anyway, but uh, no, I, um, like, it, it was nice that they finally mentioned 
the events of past MCU movies, and it this isn't just any besides Ultron, besides Ultron, because we've exactly, talked about Ultron, exactly. Yeah. Which, um, so so yeah, it's it's nice that they're calling back to these big moments of change. I really want to say they were big moments of change. Um, they were big moments of change, and they. As I've said, Wanda hasn't been in these movies yeah. much, right? She is in Age of Ultron, she's in Civil War, and she's in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And then she's briefly in Endgame, but I don't think Endgame is actually relevant to this movie, this movie, this show, uh, because it's about her relationship with Vision. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree the Civil War being mentioned is important. Um, I do, and this kind of goes with what I was saying earlier with Terrence, I think that the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., the head of S.W.O.R.D. is being painted too broadly, my basic take on this episode overall, because I'm just going to say it now, is that I feel like this episode really soared in the sitcom part. And not because of sitcom stuff, but because of... Well, it's not even just the sitcom stuff. It's literally just... Because there's a scene with Scarlet Witch that's... <laughs> Scarlet Witch. There's a scene with Wanda that's not in the sitcom that it was incredibly great, too. It's entirely on Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, this episode. And when they weren't on screen, even though I just talked like 20 minutes about Monica being great. Um, it was not nearly as compelling as it was when we were looking at them, uh, in the cracks starting to break inside there, despite Wanda's best efforts for them not to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I'm trying to think of how that relates to Sokovia. I'm sorry. Uh, but I think all this stuff is important to mention because, yeah, it is her relationship with them. And I also think it's – I don't think it was mentioned, but – and it should have been, honestly, now I'm thinking about it. Is that a big reason Lagos happened, right, was because Fission wasn't there, right? Wasn't he at, at base? Because they always have to have someone at base in those mov- in the movie. Yeah, and it was, it was uh, the Lagos incident happened because wanda tried to use her powers she tried to use her powers to control um the explosion of crossbones yeah and it ended up being like it went terribly wrong which we get into again which also relates to this show is her controlling having control of her powers so um them mentioning mentioning lagos is a lot of like i imagine that wanda grieves for those people that she um yeah, more tragedy she, in wanda's right, life that constant she, tragedy exactly, <laughs> that she she uh indirectly i don't want to say indirectly killed because she did kill them she didn't mean to mean to kill them um she was actually meaning to save save more people than hurt anyone but at, like a result of the lagos incident was her being detained at at Avengers headquarters in upstate New York for the rest of Civil War until until, until yeah, yeah until the airport until the scene. airplane fight um, uh, yeah she's I do think it's interesting you say though that she mourns these innocent people when we know in this show that she has kidnapped innocent people and brainwashed them or rather that you know, we don't know if she did the kidnapping but yeah. she has brainwashed them yeah. we know that power is coming from her. Uh, and she knows it too. Like that makes it pretty, this episode makes it pretty clear that she knows that she's controlling them too. Um, it just doesn't, it sympathizes with her, yeah. which is the right thing to do. And it also, as you said, we think there's someone else behind this too, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, so the next topic is uh, Jimmy Woo just wants to be nice to everyone. And I I love his comment of where he's like, I don't want to talk bad about anyone. And I'm like, that is the most Jimmy Woo thing to say. <laughs> like, talk I love that. Jimmy Woo. I love I just love that Randall Park is on this show. <laughs> he's great. He I, I I I I've said this like pretty much every week, is that Randall Park is such a talent who has been underutilized by Hollywood for like at least six years. Um he is a and he is such a highlight i like him i like him more than darcy sorry darcy heads uh listening he is a better character and he's just effortlessly charming (sighs) i love jimmy boo (laughs) (laughs) but yeah besides of course we are all jimmy boo right so (laughs) we are all figuring this this thing out just along with right along with jimmy uh so yeah next point is Wanda stole Vision's body. So uh, did you did you make that prediction a couple weeks ago? Well, or I, didn't, you... I didn't. I didn't make. I I didn't. I regurgitated Paul Bettany's uh, demand oh, well, for an Endgame post credit no, scene we're, about we're it. We're done. We're done in the podcast. No, <laughs> no. But yeah, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't speculate that. I I, I don't want to say I spoiled it. Yeah, I don't think it's no, a spoiler to no. say that Paul Bettany said there was a deleted scene in Avengers Endgame, you know? That's like that's not a spoiler. Right. No, it was I was uh I was less surprised that Wanda stole Vision's body. It was more of just how like on the footage it's it's very deliberate of her walking in and like it was it wasn't some night operation where there was, you know, just one guard. It looked like it was it, like there were lights on and it was heavily guarded and she just walked right in and was like hey this cyborg is mine hope, yeah but i hope we get that scene in a future episode like as a cold open because i yeah yeah, yeah honestly yes uh because i i'll be honest with you i watch this i don't know about you i watch this on tv maybe you watch this on your laptop I couldn't see anything. I was just like, well, they're like, wow, look at Vision's body. I'm like, I can't see. Oh, I did. I did not see. (laughs) I did not see Vision's body. I just saw there were different rooms. And I think like her hands lit up red. And I was like, okay, yep. I know that's Wanda. But, uh, but yeah, I thought, okay, Wanda stole Vision's body. Or is she being influenced by a third party? Is someone, possibly someone controlling taking advantage of Wanda's grief to achieve their own ends. Um, But just overall, I like that this show has kept that a mystery. I like that. That's the, that's the carrot that they're dangling each week. Um, It's what, it's what keeps me, keeps me going, going back. That's what keeps keeps me going through. I keep coming back for the emotional, uh, the emotional well it's not even i hate to say this i got more emotional talking about this than i did in the show but it's more because i'm anticipating emotion in the show yeah you know? we haven't got to the catharsis yet and the catharsis is when we might feel emotion that said not saying why yet because it's the last thing we're gonna talk about i did start screaming at my tv really excitingly at the end of this episode i was like no nah! I, I like exploded i was like is this happening is it happening uh yeah <laughs> but anyway no no i was um, i was uh i was grinning ear to ear and um yeah yeah 
I, I, I just kind of sat there in shock during the credits of it. I was like, I can't even pay attention to these credits. I'm like so <laughs> amped. But anyway, um, but yeah, uh, let's move on. But yeah, uh, so not to that yet. Not to that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just skip, skip everything. No, um, Sparky the dog. So a big note about Sparky the dog is that in the comics, Sparky was created by Vision. Um, so eventually in the comics, Vision goes off and creates like his own family. Yeah, and, yeah, I know. Yeah, what you're about. it's uh the Tom King. This is the one thing I've been. I actually wanted to read it a couple of years ago because I heard so much good things. The Tom King Vision Run, which I know it's one of the big influences of the yeah. show. Like Tom King is thanked in the credits apparently, like in every episode of the show. If you actually watch all six minutes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But yeah, Sparky was uh, created by Vision after they found the Grim Reaper's corpse. In their backyard. That's such a funny it's, sentence. I know it is. It is. It was the weirdest <laughs> sentence I've I've written so far, on the, for this show. But uh, I don't think the Grim Reaper will come in. But you never know. But I just thought I that saw, was uh, that was interesting. Um, because it's especially in mm, comic book based, um, film and TV, it. Anytime that something is introduced, like a character, anytime a noun is involved, you've got to look back at your source material and see, you know, what are they, what are they, where did that inspiration come from? Where did that, uh, I, yeah. I did see, um, after engaging in the discourse of this show, after the first two episodes, is that the Grim Reaper has appeared on this show. He is apparently, his helmet is under, like, their cabinet in the the second episode's intro. So they have referenced the Grim Reaper before in this. Um, I, I think it's just a reference, yeah, though. And I think just an Easter egg. It's just like, because he's like a vision, like, they've interacted, yeah, you know? Yeah, So, But, uh, yeah, and then uh, you you alluded to this earlier. I got the next but, note. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was, I I was wondering who the aerospace engineer is. Monica mentions, I know an aerospace engineer who would love to get into this. And then she texts, she sends a text to this um, aerospace engineer. I'm, you know, you you know, okay. But you know, when the scene is framed like this uh-huh. and they're like, I know somebody, but I'm not going to say their name. It's, it's a big name. Like that's right. the fact. You're like, it's gotta be someone who we have met before in these movies. Cause otherwise they wouldn't be so secretive about it. Yeah. You know? It would just tell us, but I can't think of any aerospace engineers off the top of my head, especially one that Monica watch. Out, watch know? for some reason it be Scott Lang, and he's just like, "Wow, I was Captain America." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well, I'd want to see Jimmy be like Scott. Scott, I, I, I can do the trick. Scott. I can do the trick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's Scott. No, I don't I think, think it'd be interesting. I don't think either, uh, but. I could see being a scroll, maybe if she's still in contact with those of Talos. That's true. And stuff. Yeah, or someone um, working on board, on board that ship with uh, Sam Jackson. And Mendelssohn shows up. In oh the show my gosh! I'm gonna, yes, I want to explode. I'm like Ben Mendelssohn. I love you. <laughs> I can't. I, he's getting a show too, and he's like, "That's the." Did I ever tell you like my dream uh, Disney Plus show? 
Because it makes the reason it's my dream Disney Plus show is because it would never make sense. It'd just be a Talos and Valkyrie buddy cop show <laughs> in space. They've never interacted with each other. I'm like, yeah, give me just Ben Mendelsohn and Tessa Thompson hanging out weekly. I'd love oh it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would be good. That would, uh... Uh, but I don't know who else it could be. Like, I really like other than a scroll. Like, I don't know why they would be keeping it hidden. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. And I honestly think being a scroll would make sense because on Jimmy Woo's board it said scrolls question mark, and I don't really think that they should know what scrolls are unless during the last five years they've become more open. Yeah, you yeah. Know, on Earth when Captain Marvel moved to Earth for a bit. Um. But yeah, I don't like. That's what I, I guess it could be. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you have any other? Do you I, have any other ideas? I, uh, I don't, and I did not look this up just because I wanted to keep the suspense. Um, of, yeah, you I know? feel like this is something that if we looked it up, we would know. Yeah, yeah, know? It, like, I would find it. I right doubt away, there's been many but... aerospace engineers who have appeared in the MCU. So I far. immediately thought of um, Marvel because I was like, well, maybe she would have. Um, because of her how like uh what that character does in Captain Marvel, I thought, well maybe maybe it's Marvel, but she's dead. But she's isn't dead. She? Yeah, she's dead, and that was yeah, way back yeah. in the nineties. So Plot twist, it's like Plus plus it's, Monica wouldn't it's even like know her. Valkyrie or Thor because they're on Earth. No, it's be Val- like it's just Valkyrie. She's like, Yeah, I do spaceships sometimes. It's Korg. Korg's <laughs> also Hey man, I heard you have a problem with your spaceship. <laughs> Uh, uh, so anyways, um, so do you, do you want to present the next topic? <laughs> yes, yes. My next topic is Paul bleeping bleeping Bethany. Uh, Be- Bethany, what am I saying? Bethany. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to our friend anyway, Bethany. Anyway, so Paul, <laughs> yeah, Bethany, if you're listening, if you've somehow made it for the, I presume we're at the two hour mark now. I was going to say We're only halfway through the episode. <laughs> I was going to say three hour. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um. So, Paul Bettany, because I was shocked you didn't have the scene listed. The scene with him at work. Uh, well, Paul Bettany in this episode. Well, okay, both Elizabeth and Paul Bettany in this episode were incredible. Uh, but I want to talk about this scene because I feel like I feel like both Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen had huge standout scenes in the episode. And then they had an amazing one at the yeah. end, which we already talked, which we're going to yeah. talk about. Uh, but him at there talking to Norm. Paul Bettany's just slow, and when they get the email, he's, his slow like realization and horror is great. Uh, this show obviously reminds a lot of people, and it reminds me of points of the greatest movie of all time, The Truman Show. I, that's my. I actually, I don't. I think The Truman Show is my favorite movie ever. I don't know if I've ever told you that, um, which makes this right up my alley. But it also doesn't because if it's not as like if it doesn't do it well, I will heavily criticize it because The Truman Show is the greatest movie ever uh, but anyway um paul bettany sells the scene entirely and what i like most about it is when he releases norm from the spell norm's panicking having a panic attack and vision in his mercy like reverts him back uh but vision is horrified that he has to do yeah. that and it's so clear on his face that he's like all right i have to keep going along with this for now but i need to talk to wanda as mm-hmm. soon as i can and then, of course, the next time he walks in on Wanda, it's, she's debating on bringing a dead dog back to life. And he's like, right. oh my, he's like what the, A dead dog, that, what is a going dead dog on? that they have no idea where it's, where it's from. Because, like yeah. we've said, the only animals that they've seen in this reality have been uh, 
Well, the one that Agnes brought along, the rabbit, and then the stork that that Wanda was seeing. So, so yeah. Anyways, that was kind of a note within a note, but uh, yeah. But I just want to talk about yeah, that scene briefly. Yeah, no, it was. It, a really it good was scene. Um, I think I originally had it down, and the note that I had for it was uh oh just the great acting done done by the uh actor who plays norm yeah the just actor the, who played norm like was how he good. switched back and forth between his two characters like that's i thought that was really good and Very that's believable. the thing also is like acting of course it, <laughs> to bring back a state statement from theater school acting <laughs> This is a statement from everywhere. Acting is reacting. Yes. And both him and Paul Bettany did brilliantly in that yeah. scene. Because, uh, yeah. Oh. I love that. This was like... Here's the thing. is like I keep saying I don't want to rewatch these episodes till it's done. But this sh- this episode more than any is like... I want to go back and watch this scene. I want to watch the Elizabeth Olsen scene. I want to watch the final scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't want to watch the rest of the episode. I just want to watch just those, those scenes. Because they were just Well, they'll like, probably be on YouTube soon so yeah i know well i i well i i like i'm weird i'm very weird i don't like watching individual scenes if i'm planning on rewatching it soon and i've already said that i've you guys the podcast is those i plan on when the show is over and we're done recording the finale episode i want to see how the whole show just flows in an afternoon because it will be around i think the total length of this will be easily bingeable yeah um even though this was a longer episode uh, and I think the other episodes will all be around. I don't think we'll have any more short episodes because, as I said, we're fitting in the sitcom plot. I'd actually be really curious if someone times this episode, like on Twitter, and it's like the time how long the sitcom plot is. Because it'd be really cool if the sitcom plot was still around 25 minutes. And, and then, you know, the, all that it's that's extra, extra stuff is, yeah. is what pushes it to 41. Well, 36 minutes or whatever. Right. Because you know, the credits. That, uh, well, that, it, no, anyway. that is interesting, though. Uh,. Yeah. So, uh, so Darcy calls the bubble reality the hex, which to me is big because one, why hexagons? Yeah, because that was on the board. Yeah, last week, right. It, and there's been hexagons all the time. Um, so on, like sorry. Wanda's magic is referenced to as hex magic in the comics, and hex magic in general is related to witches, which of course we know <laughs> witches, which uh, we know that. Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. Um, but then, two, a hexagon has six sides, and six is obviously a big number when it comes to things related to the devil, or in this case... Wait, why? 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 <laughs> because Sorry, when you on. take that digit and <laughs> you put, them, put it next to each other three times... No. <laughs> um, it, and uh, the MCU's devil, per se, is... Mephisto. Um, and then I've got here a note that just to kind of spark controversy with Danny. He's in the details. Agnes says so. So, so uh, I yeah. would say that's controversy because I thought Dottie said that. No, no, yeah, yeah, no, it's no, it's <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm messing oh, with you because oh. it is Agnes who was like, that's not the only place he's. I yeah. know what you mean. I'm just messing with but, you. <laughs> Like you're wrong. So yeah, I thought that was. Um, I thought that yeah. Was big. Yeah, my thing there was also uh, the sword guy who is generically very evil. Who I was honestly hoping Wanda would kill. <laughs> I thought I was like, so could just move on. I was like, um, Disney won't do it. Disney won't do it. Prove me wrong. 
Disney won't do it so brutally. That's the thing. It's like he might die later on in this yeah. show, but it won't be like it won't be like his entire squad fires off him at once, crushed, completely ripping his body by apart. A vehicle off screen. Yeah, yeah, basically, I could see that happening. Um, but he says Wanda has no alias, which makes her a terrorist. Whereas Captain, which is such a ridiculous thing to say, because um, we've seen this world multiple times. There are bad guys with aliases, like killmonger's name was not killmonger like like it is such a stupid thing for him to say um but anyway but she's never been called scarlet witch on this and i think i think it's been i don't want to say it's been confirmed but i think ivor olsen or fiege have said that by the end of this show she's going to be called scarlet witch at some point um and the hex stuff would make sense because hex witches do hexes Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't as big on this as you were. I was just like, oh, okay, that explains the hexagon thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, all right. Um, I guess, but I don't think it's the full answer, too. I think it's, uh... Yeah, I... Means, as we always say, this is, like, the beginning of it. I answer. think that, uh, good... Good writing will introduce... Like, no theme is introduced. In good writing, no theme is introduced without it um, being later explored and it having a meaning to to the rest of the plot um and so far this this show has had it's had pretty i've i've been a fan of the writing so i i think that uh, well i've been a fan of the right well my opinion of the writing so far is i think the writing is well i think the third episode is horrible <laughs> i think i think the third episode was still pretty bad um i think the writing in the non-sitcom world is kind of generic yeah, at points. Yeah, And it's mostly getting kept together because the three main actors in them are really good. Well, two of them are really good, and I think Kat Dennings is charismatic. That's yeah. basically it. <laughs> of course, Randall Park is charismatic, too, but I also think... I don't know. I guess Randall Park and Darcy are about the same. I just really like Randall Park. <laughs> uh-huh. we, should, we should have a shot counter of every time I say I really like Randall Park. Oh my uh, gosh! Just, <laughs> it's gonna be well, great whenever we're on Falcon we just, Winter Soldier. And I'm just like, I really wish Randall Park was here. We we just need <laughs> we need a uh, like a bell that we ring each time, so that way He's that way our Park. listeners know they're like, all right, shot. No, um, but uh, but uh, I love that. Also, it's like sorry, this is just random. I really like how like I refuse to refer to Randall Park or Jimmy Woo by anything less than their full names. That's just who they are. <laughs> like. You use but his anyway, full name. <laughs> he is Randall Park. <laughs> well, well, because like you know, it's just Darcy. I don't ever call just. He's, it's Jimmy Woo. I can't call him just Jimmy. right. His name is Jimmy Woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking of the hex, uh, the hex does turn red after Wanda returns to the bubble reality. Um, so I thought back to episode four um, when Darcy talks about the radiation the and um i thought when when the hex turned red did that mean the radiation was amplified um because darcy talks about the dangers of the radiation and says that for you know for right now they're okay but if they get basically she was like if the radiation gets worse foreshadowing uh is not going to be good for us so uh so I, yeah yeah my 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 theory there is we, I think that the bubble will expand. If not next episode, the episode afterwards. I think that 
we are getting to the point in the show because I think the show is moving incredibly fast now as I've said um, I think that we are getting to a point where the Wanda will want a hard reset and include more most of Sword in it uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens next episode I wouldn't be surprised if she's like well if I can get because I think this is me getting ahead of myself I think Vision is going to try to contact Sword back because he knows they are there yeah now. yeah you know, he has the email. Um, well, and all he has to do is just go back to work. And I think work, if he succeeds know? in it, that's when... If he succeeds in it, that is when Wanda will expand. And I think that is a warning. That's what... Because she's like, this is my warning. If you mess with my life, I will mess you up. And I think she's going to mess them up by forcing them to be in her show. Because mm. um, uh, it's... As I said, I, oh, this is me getting back to the themes of the show. Like, this show is about lost time, right? Yeah. That is what the show is. And, but Wanda is making these people lose time. Like, Norm, right? His, is his sister who's sick, right? Isn't that it? Is his sister or his mom? I'm trying, yeah. Someone his family is sick, and he, yeah. he can't get to them. Uh, and I think it's interesting how this show has these layers of it. And I think the idea of losing yourself within this world is... It's like I think this is a. I don't want to call it a horror show because I don't think it actually engages in horror tropes. But there is a lot of horrifying stuff within it with the ideas of mind control and losing oneself. And like I, the one of the moments that sticks out of me the most in this episode that was not in the bubble or involving uh, Elizabeth Olsen scene outside of the bubble is um, Monica watching herself from the TV and looking very scared at what she sees when she's watching a clip of herself dancing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think that's very, I think it's, I don't know. I think that is what that's hinting at is I think the hex, it's a warning. She's like, I can make this go bigger. I still have full control. Yeah. Over it. Leave me alone or face the consequences. Um, but can we talk about the scene though? Cause you kind of jumped. Yeah. Ahead. Well, I talk no, about yeah. I was going to go back to that. Yeah. I, I yeah. love yeah, 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 the yeah. moment when wanda confronts sword like the the tension there oh my goodness i i was sitting i wasn't expecting her to leave this or that's why i meant the show exactly so fast. i was exactly not expecting like her someone to do was that. coming through and i thought it's vision it, it's vision and maybe he's gonna come out and be like i thought it was vision i was too. thinking vision was going yeah. to come out and say like hey i don't understand what's going on or like who are you and then wanda was gonna pull him back in because I thought if Wanda can, if Wanda can send people out, she can obviously pull them back in. Well, we know that because of uh, how Monica got into the reality, you know, um, by reaching her hand into yeah. the reality, and then she was obviously sent out by Wanda. But uh, and Monica says that she thinks Wanda. I think we'll see if this is true. Monica says she thinks Wanda felt her grief and brought her in, thinking that forgetting about her grief could help her. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, like she doesn't say that blunt, bluntly, but that is the subtext of what she says, because um, she says she feels very similar to Wanda. Uh, so what were what were yeah, your thoughts on that scene? I thought this that scene was it was very it, like a lot of things. This episode, it's like I, I was like, wow, this is really getting real really quick. And the thing is, we have four episodes left. That's a, I'm just like, what is going on with this show that we have so much, like. We are at the halfway point of the show. I, I, and the half we have left is longer than the first half. We know that for a fact because the first few episodes are like 20 minutes. 
and we know the show is six hours total. So we're not at the halfway point, really. Um, and I'm just like, this is escalating so quickly that I have no idea where we're going to go in this. And I think Elizabeth Olsen was very terrifying as one that scene. And that's, that's as I've said, that's the thing. is I think both her and Paul Bagney have been wasted in this cinematic universe so far. Um, and this was her chance for once to be really intimidating. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, there's a lot of subtlety to how she's acting, I feel like, too. Uh, I think people underestimate how hard it is to play intense villains. And the way you can look at that is just by looking at the MCU in general um, and their villains prior to Phase 3 on how none of them really have impact. And her walking out really had a ton of impact. How she delivered her lines had impact. Her warnings had gravitas to them even before she started threatening. And I think that is a strong skill to have as an actor. And I think she sells it really well. Uh, I thought the writing there was very good too. Um, especially with her turning on Monica briefly and then Monica saying, I didn't do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And Wanda believing her. That was the thing too, is that Wanda believed it. But yeah, I don't know. There's actually, the thing is with that scene is there's not a lot to discuss. It's just a lot to gush over. Um, you know what? But it's a good you scene. You know what we could gush over? Is that Wanda Sokovian accent came back? Did you know? Did you notice? See, I like. I actually didn't notice that. I I was like, huh? I'm like. I was like. I was right, like. Tyler, this... I guess. Well, okay. <laughs> I noticed it in the slight, like it was in the way that she delivered certain consonants, and I've I've got this ear for like for things like this and. A dialect style. Yeah, right? and like I like as soon as she started talking, I was like, "This is not as relaxed as her other like her other stuff has been." Not just in Wandavision, but like in Endgame and Infinity War and uh, Civil War. Civil War, it was okay. Her how she talks. She doesn't have it in Infinity War. No, at all. it's not. It's not like, in Infinity it at War at all. And so, like, I was comparing her talking how she talked here it was not as thick as uh, in in ultron it was a lot more similar to in civil war where it was like it had a hint um that uh you know that uh she was from from uh sokovia but but yeah i just i just noted that was i noticed that that was like actually the first thing that i noticed of that scene which is I feel horrible at saying because that scene, that scene has so much going on, and that's the one thing I noticed. But You're like, oh, I was like, I was like, hey, that came back. <laughs> We've not seen that for a few years. All right, that's a choice. Because to me, I feel like at this point, it would just write it off as yeah, like she she lost her accent pretty fast. Just write it off, you know. But uh, because it's it's gone this this long without it but but yeah no i just noticed that so i, I thought no yeah 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 <laughs> thought i'd include it uh, uh yeah i don't have much to say on the accent because i didn't notice it sorry no, that's okay that's okay <laughs> um so i also noticed that all of the commercials have had the same woman and man in them and i know that you had said uh back in the first week you were like i don't think the commercials have much to, like to them but I, because I noticed that today, I thought, 
okay, well, who are these people? What are their significance? And could they possibly be Wanda's parents? Could we possibly, like, this, all of the commercials are just entirely fabricated from her memory or from the top up. Because we obviously, we know that she is able to create um, hu humans. She's able to create living things in her reality, given the twins. I mean, the twins right there, just second episode, boom. Um, so... And, uh, not to, not to jump ahead again, but I think the end of the I think the end, yeah, exactly, as well. yeah. Uh, so I just... I like how we just keep talking around this still, even though we are almost right? there. But I do think, I, I, I think it is, I, stick by, it is important that we are doing that, because I, th I think most people's analysis of episode will be entirely about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think there's a lot to dig into, obviously. We've been digging into it for an hour. Right, so. right. Um... And we're not done. So. <laughs> but uh, back back to Sparky, good old Sparky. Uh, oh wait wait wait! You didn't let me comment on the parents. Oh let me, yeah, let me yeah, say yeah. something. Sorry. Yeah, let me let me actually answer right. that. What's your uh, so I don't necessarily think I said I don't think there's much I don't think there's much plot significance. I think character significance is true, and this actually okay. So let's talk a bit about this is something I talk about a lot with my friend Julius, so I'm going to talk about later on actually too. I have him in my notes. Uh, my friend Julius introduced me once to an idea called, uh, there's two types of storytelling in the world. There is plot-based storytelling and there's sto uh, character-based storytelling. And the MCU, for the most part, engages in plot-based storytelling, uh, where the character are, I hate the, I hate the sound, because this makes it sound like it's bad. Uh, there's a lot of MCU stuff, most of the Avengers movies engage in plot-based storytelling. Because, especially Infinity War. Because Infinity War, it's all about moving chess pieces. There is no character arcs besides Thor's very minor one. Of, oh, he's sad, but now he's happy because he has his hammer. Which literally we dealt with in Thor Ragnarok. Like, it is a repeated arc. Um, and for the most part, though, the MCU does engage in plot-based storytelling. With the exception of their, usually their introduction movies. Because you have to do character-based storytelling for the introduction. Otherwise, no one's going to care about your character. Uh, so my point is with WandaVision and with this podcast, we're more discussing, I think, the plot than the character. Uh, I like delving into the characters and the themes, but I think for the most part, in terms of our speculation, we talk about the plot and that is what I was referring to. I think there is, pl I think you're probably right. I think they probably Wanda's parents. And I think, I don't know if we're ever going to get an explicit review yeah. of that. I think we will. I will. Here's the thing. I think we will. I don't know how you do that without it being uh, heavy-handed. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I don't I mean, know how you, you could acknowledge you this could possibly, the story. however this resolves itself, um, you could possibly like once the reality collapses, maybe they just disappear and then um, say like sword is. Um, swords do there are so many right like maybe <laughs> no 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 it's just I, you're saying stuff I want to engage in it with the end of this episode yeah because I think a lot of the stuff we're talking about specifically there with like what does the end of this show well exactly mean? because my, my we're point thinking about is... what it means for the kids but now we have we think about what it means for the kids we think about what it means for vision and now we have an entire new thing to think about yeah. and I know I'm jumping ahead but I'm just like what will he respond to these parents you know that's what yeah. I'm thinking too like 
are they his parents? You know, very possible. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, my, my thing is, like, maybe... Maybe they are... Maybe they were created, you know, from her memory. Um, or possibly... I No, I would doubt this. But I'm like, maybe they are wiped out with the reality. But if they're wiped out with the reality... Then that all you're. It's also like you've got to. The twins have got to go too, you know. So I, yeah. Well, I don't. I still don't see there any way of this ending with uh, Vision still being around. That's no, I. I definitely I don't see Vision making it through. I. I think this show ends. I don't know if it ends with her accepting it, but I, well, I think you can accept the loss of someone and not be over them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's where this show ends. And maybe she finds a new. Because that's the thing, it's like, <laughs> to get deep for a second, humans are defined on their relations to each other in a lot of ways. And Wanda's only, as I've said before, Wanda's only positive relationship with someone who's not in this show is with Hawkeye, who I don't think will show up. And I think the show is going to build a relationship with her and Monica, but I also don't think Monica's going to be in Doctor Strange too, right? Which we know is her next appearance after this. I know, he... he he, she, uh, it could, it could yeah, happen, yeah. but I don't think it's likely. Um, but my point here is, is like at the end of the show, if Wanda loses everything again, where does she go from here? Like, I don't think that's going to. Ha- I think, I think the point of these Disney Plus shows in general is to develop the characters, or at least I hope it is. I think that's the point of this particular show, at least. Um, we'll see about Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki um, and the other ones, but those are the first two immediate ones. Uh, and I think for the most part, this I, it's obvious that I'm caring about talking about Wanda and Vision. When I've said they've had no, I've no, I'm not interested in them. Um, but anyway, I think it's very. Uh, my point is maybe they'll be wiped out, maybe they won't be. But if they're her parents, they definitely got to be. Gone. And I think if they are her parents, she has to confront. Yeah. Them. Um, and I wonder if she will. I, I honestly wonder if she's aware of this, the commercials. Mm-hmm. You know, it could very well be something where she taps into the broadcast eventually and sees these commercials and then is like, "Wait, what? Like, how? Where did they get these people?" Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, that's true because we also yeah. don't know if Darcy is recording all of this. We do know. She oh, she, she is. She's, she's she recorded is. The episode. Okay. Well, yeah. then, yeah. Who knows? Maybe you just wrote the season finale, so. <laughs> But uh, oh, there's still a lot of stuff we gotta figure uh, yeah, out. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's still a lot of stuff we gotta figure uh, out. Here. So, so it, I uh... and again, it all depends again on how the emotion plays out mm-hmm. too. If all this just plays hollow, it doesn't matter. Right, right. You know, and I I don't want to be like the MCU can't make me cry because that's factually wrong. I cried in I cried at Endgame. I cried at Guardians too, and I cried I I tear up a bit at the end of Black Panther as well. So. If this show can make me cry, then that gives it the seal of approval for Dan. <laughs> yeah. If you, hey, this, that's basically it. If something can make me cry, I know it succeeded on some level. Even if it's the most schmaltzy thing ever, and I'm like, that was really honestly quite garbage, I can still be like, but it has merit. Because there has to, like, there, there's, there's construct and emotional manipulation. Mm-hmm. Which could be the title <laughs> of the show, because it's all Wanda emotionally manipulating people. <laughs> uh, so... Spark, but yeah, Wanda's parents. <laughs> Wanda's parents. I ship it. <laughs> um, uh, so 
back to Sparky. Sparky dies from getting into Agnes's azalea bushes. More loss. More loss. More grief. right. So <laughs> I, I just had I had a note about the azalea plant, which is extremely toxic, and it has been associated with the goddess Persephone. Um, Oh, because it I because it represents her descent to the underworld. Um, back flashback to when we had the Hydrosoak commercial. It talked about release the goddess within you. Um, so I don't know if that's a a reference to Persephone or not. Um, but I just well, I think it might be more reference to your buddy uh, who lives in the underworld. That Mephisto. Could Mephisto. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're not like pen pals or anything, but. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> anyways, so um, <laughs> um, that's the episode description right there. Tyler does not; it's not right letters to Mephisto. <laughs> uh, so azale- azaleas can be used to represent knowledge of the beyond, which fits perfectly with the scene they are featured in, given the topic of reviving Sparky. Um, so I just. Like, and also, it ties in with visions. Bright vision from there comes straight from um, his scene with Norm. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and that's very much lifting the veil. But go but on. But no, sorry. I and I just wanted to say like, whoever like, the research was obviously done right there, and like looking in into it, I don't know. I just I really appreciate. I don't have any anything to say about this. Like, but it's I really appreciate it because I feel like because so the name of the episode is uh, the name of this episode is like a very special episode yeah. or something like that, and you know the very special episode is like the very moralistic episode of the show. Uh, I think it's I think this episode is this episode more than any of the other ones really leans into the laugh track and the audience reactions of not fitting, and that scene I think does it actually the best. Because it's played entirely straight, like, from a show perspective. But if you think about it, the message is ridiculous. It's, don't bring people back to life. or uh, don't. The, the only message you can get from that is, don't run away from your grief. But it's being told to 10-year-old kids who want to become teenagers really and quick. It, so it makes, it it's doesn't also, work. It's like, also it, being it, told. I think the show knows it's it also work. being told <laughs> by so a woman who is doing the very thing she tells the kids to not do. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I li- I like I like actually the scene. I I like as I said, I pretty much like everything in this episode of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, uh, and this scene is definitely one of it too. And it's just it's in- it's very interesting. Ah, that's all I can say is like I I I can't really analyze the scene that much. And I like what you said about these aliens. I do think it, it's from a crystal hint. I'll give you credit for this one. It's from a crystal hint. Uh, but yeah, uh, but. Let's talk about the final conversation between Wanda and Vision. And yes. then, people listening, we can get to what you want us to talk about. The end credits. Yeah, yeah, we're going to skip everything. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Billy. No. <laughs> I want to talk about second camera. Um, so, anyways. Um, so, did you note that the audio did not drop after the final crowd laughter? Like a traditional eighty sitcoms when the credits started yeah, rolling, I didn't catch it till you mentioned and, it. But like yeah. I, the first time I watched it, I was like, "That's weird." Like my my brain was expecting the audio to be muted, um, but they just like they kept talking and the laugh track was dropped. 
um, which was like they ran out of the audio track there. And then there was no end theme song that came on. Um, and we just heard this argument between Wanda and Vision. And then when Vision finally raises his voice, the credits physically blip and fade out after after Vision raises his voice. So I want to I want to talk about the credits yeah. a bit on their own, which is that I I've always loved this. My friend Julius did this once for an experimental film in college. Uh, is the idea of the credits being in the middle of the film, uh, and in this case, in the middle of the episode, even though they're fake credits, and I love it. It's not the same thing, but it reminded me of there's a movie I hate. Do not watch this. Anyone listening to this, this is not a recommendation. It is a bad movie. It is a morally bad movie to watch, but it's called Climax. It's by a a director from Europe that I can't remember what country's from named Gaston Noé. But what I love, the one thing I liked about it was that the credit, the opening credits of the movie, well, honestly, the credits in general, I don't, I think the movie doesn't have end credits. I think the movie just ends, but the credits for the movie take place about 50 minutes into the middle of the movie during a dance scene that just lasts for like seven minutes. But it's the credits and it's like, all right, sure, I'll take it. I like, I, the dancing is, the best part of that movie is the dancing. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, uh, and this, <laughs> it's weird for me. Anyone listening who knows Gaspar Noe is going to be like comparing a Gaspar Noe film to an MCU project is legitimately insane um but i want to do it because everyone else has been comparing the show to david lynch which i think is very i think it's stupid for a different reason i think comparing it to gas i think gasper noe is a hack so i think me comparing my this, like, this did it better than the gasper noe uh did is fine uh whereas david lynch is a very talented man and i don't want to I, I sorry sorry we can't compare this to a David Lynch film at all, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I love the cre- I love the idea of credits being in the wrong spot of it. Um, it's kind of like the cold opening yeah. because logos logos should be at the beginning of something. That's just what the way we've been taught, and the idea of credits interrupting. And it also reminded me of a lot of people. Well, I actually don't know if a lot of people compare this, but I always got the vibe from this. This is kind of like Too Many Cooks, you know that uh, Adult Swim uh, YouTube video you've seen. Already. I haven't. What? It was like a big hit. It was a viral. Well, you should honestly watch it after this. Uh, we can talk about it next week instead of Hobbit Three. No, I'm <laughs> uh, uh, but you should watch it. Um, probably not right now because it's midnight now. And oh my god, we're t- we've been talking for so long. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but also not sorry because wow, what an episode we can delve into this as much. Um, but anyway, with the credits, I love that they um. I just like the idea of the credits coming in and stuff coming in at the wrong time. And I like that this used this in a way because Vision doesn't notice the credits. Mm-hmm. It's just Wanda trying to end the episode. Yep. And I hope, well, I kind of hope, but I also am okay if we just move right on. If next, well, no, we will move right on because we saw Darcy's reaction to the ending. So we're not going to see Darcy's reaction to the credits blipping yeah. out, you know? Because we've already, we're already ahead of it. Um, I'm curious how that played in the real world. Because I don't think it played the way we saw it. Because the fact is, is that that is way more concerning for them thinking Wanda might not might not have full control of it than you know. Because they, I think they still have the perspective that Wanda is in complete control, and that this entire scene, uh, which by the way, they're both acting insanely great, but oh, 
Paul Bettany in this scene, man. Like, this should be his Emmy submission episode. <laughs> Not that I think anyone from the show is going to really get nominated for an Emmy, but this should be his Emmy submission yeah. episode. Because he is on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders, and this last scene is him. Like, you remember that, uh, oh, do I, did we play that at college? Have you ever played Oscar-winning moment? I can't remember if we played that at college or if that was a high school game. I don't. I don't think we did. It's just like it was his big Oscar speech, you know. Like this would be the clip, the awards clip they play was this scene, um, and I thought he killed it. Uh, he completely sold the drama of this mm-hmm. scene, uh, and also, as you said, the credits physically faded when Vision raised his voice, and this kind of ties in with your next point, is that I think it is interesting that. Wanda's like, you've never done this to me before. And the thing is, we have seen them have conflict before, especially in Civil War, right? Um, like, that the conflict, be- there's a huge conflict between Wanda and Vision in that yeah. movie. Uh, but it's much calmer. But Vision raises his voice, and it feels it feels wrong to us as a viewer, but in an, like we get it. Because Vision immediately explains why. And this is your next point, is that he doesn't remember life before yeah. Westview. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Him. And he knows that other people also can't remember. That's the thing. He's seen that Norm, like, he's like, Norm can't see the people he loves. What about me? Have you taken me from the people I mm-hmm. love? How much of this is my legitimate feeling for yeah. you? Um, and that should terrify Wanda. And then the appearance at the end allows Wanda to completely distract herself from it. Um, which is, I... That's the thing to me about the ending of this episode was not only was a cliffhanger and like a meta sense of being like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? But also it's just like Vision is cut off from this like right now. Like he is cut off from the end of this conversation. And I don't know how he's going to move on with this like thing. Will Wanda just ignore it? Will Wanda ignore him for uh, Petro? There, I said his name. We can talk about it. We're going to get to him. Uh, I'm very curious. Um, and yeah, um, you can talk about Vision saying he doesn't remember life better. I think yeah. so that's actually your yeah, point. Well, but I feel like they, they, I think they are the same point, you know, talking about uh, talking about the credits and the... But uh, yeah, the thing know. about... So, the thing about necromancy, which is bringing someone back from the dead, which obviously here, it's a little different with Vision because he wasn't technically a human so um but anyways um so the thing about necromancy is the big question is are you bringing all of them back including personality personality and memories or just their physical self and i think and it's interesting because you can tie that into what the end of the right well exactly because (laughs) vision like vision says he doesn't remember life before westview and to me with vision it's a little different um as opposed to bringing a human back because he is more computer than man so i think he's had something more similar to a hard drive reset um but his brain or processor has super high performance and that's why he's questioning everything plus he's seeing all of this evidence you know around like it's in i don't think he has a total reset and the reason why is i don't think i think the affection for wanda is something he learned i don't think he was born with because you know like he's born in age Ultron. i don't think he was born with the ability to love gotcha and he clearly has that by infinity war so i don't think it's a total reset 
I don't want to say that, but I get what you mean by. Uh, I don't. I think he can access his old memories eventually. I think we'll see that he can access his old memories eventually. So it's. I think that's where the show will. I don't think this show can end with Vision. I don't think. I don't. I think with what the show has shown us so far, I think Vision has to remember his past at some point. And I don't mean being shown clips of his yeah. past. I mean he needs to actually physically remember it. Well, here's the thing. Um, physically, they're, you know, mentally. Uh, <laughs> That's not, you can't physically remember Wanda something. Wanda cleverly hid them on a floppy disk, which is incompatible with yeah. his with his programming. No. But. That's why... That's what happened when she was breaking in the sword. She accidentally broke the floppy disk. She was like, whoops, I got him. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, just uh, something else about Westview. And we had talked about this a little bit, little bit earlier. Um, Vision also mentions that there are no children in Westview. He talks about like how he walks to work and there's a playground out, outside, but he never sees children on it. And it just makes me wonder why that is. Because that would, well, you know, I mean, um, and then also makes me question. I think it's because Wanda doesn't want to. I don't think Wanda wants to kidnap children. Well, <laughs> I think that's why. <laughs> but uh, it, it also just, well, I mean, given that, even if it's she doesn't want to kidnap children, it makes me question the uh, flashback to episode two when everyone was saying, for the children, for the children, like, what children are they referencing? Or was that a reference to the twins being born in the future? I don't think so. But yeah, I just thought that was very that was a very curious point that Vision that Vision brought up. Um, but of course, there's one child in particular that you want to talk about that we've been alluding to. Wait, 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 wait! Not okay. yet, not yet, not yet. I have to actually answer the children Western yep. line. Um, which is that to me i think i'm just gonna say bluntly because it's not a spoiler it's in all the trailers we have a halloween episode yeah. coming up i think there are gonna i think there are children in the trailer of the halloween there episode are. uh so i think that's going to be i think the, i also think the halloween episode's next week i think it's the most logical time very 90s full house yeah. type of thing you know um because I also think, as I've said before, I think the 2000s episode will require the children to be aged up more. And I think 10 is the perfect age for a Halloween mm-hmm. episode. So I think I think next week we're going to really delve into the child. Gotcha. Um, but I also think... I, that's what I... I, I, I like that. I like that. Because I also think it was something where Wanda's like, I can't answer that right now. And as such, you got to wait a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, we can now talk about the child that we all want to talk about. Child, <laughs> which is, I don't know if we can call it a return to the MCU. Not technically. Can we call it a homecoming I would to the MCU? Say, yeah, happy homecoming. Is because that's what we called it when Spider-Man. Came yeah, out, right. Yeah, because which I is, okay. Same actor, but I don't think that. Wait, wait, wait let's just not right say it. Evan Peters is back as what? Evan Peters is back. Patrol. Spoiler? Yeah. yeah. Evan Peters, which is the, uh, I think the consensus best pick, like, cons- everyone would agree, he is the best part of the modern X-Men yes. movies. Even even up the two that he's in that are bad, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, he is, well, he doesn't do anything yeah, in Dark Phoenix. Yeah, I was Phoenix, like... <laughs> but he's good in Apocalypse. He doesn't do anything in Dark Phoenix, he's but really he's good, good in Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah. 
and he's the one good part of the movie. And of course, the Days of Future Past, which is a great movie all around. Oh my gosh, um, his he's scene, good in that too. His scene in there in the kitchen. I love Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past is a great movie. But uh, and a lot of people want to. A lot of people want to trash all the X Men movies by Fox because they're not made by Marvel. But there are a lot of really good stuff. There in is Days of Future Past. Yeah. is a Days of Future Past. Love it. And Evan Peters is a really good reason it works. Uh, let's talk about the implications of him. So first off, well, I don't want to talk about power level yet. Because um, I think that's silly to talk about immediately. Because first we got to deal with what is he doing here? Is he actually Quicksilver? Because my thought, I think it's very vague. I think it's very possible that he's not Quicksilver. And by that I mean... As far as we know, the MCU... Now, the easy answer to say is he pu- was pulled from the multiverse because we know we're going to tackle the multiverse later on in Marvel. Like, that is coming up. We know yeah. that, right? Yeah. There's a Doctor Strange movie coming. Um, but it's also very possible this is just a random person that looks like Evan... Pe- that's Evan... Pe- that, like, who Evan Peters would portray in the MCU. Maybe he's just a random guy. It's very possible. The episode leaves it vague enough that we don't know. Um... And I'm really curious on where they're going to go. Are you saying he's just another Matt Damon? <laughs> he very well could be. I think, well, I think it's possible he's Jimmy Woo's missing person. Mm. Uh, which I think would be a good That twist. would be, yeah. Because um, the end of this episode, everyone's going, like, oh my gosh, Evan Peters Quicksilver's back. I'm like, is he? We need to see him use That's his powers true. from yeah. Quicksilver. You know what I mean? And the thing is also is that Evan... <laughs> Fox Quicksilver has a very different power set than uh, Marvel Quicksilver. Fox Quicksilver is ridiculously overpowered to the point where they had to keep writing him out of the movies because he just would, like, he would break the movie. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to discuss here, but I also think there's merit in discussing just the reaction we had yeah. when it happened. I, which was, for me, I was screaming, and when the credits rolled, I was still like, "Oh my gosh, it's actually happening!" And also, my my thing here is also, well, okay, you can talk about your response first, and then I want to talk about one more thing about him as in a meta sense. Oh, I I was uh, like, as soon as the doorbell rang. And it was something in the dialogue, um, and then they're like, "Are you gonna get that?" And they're like, "That's not me." And I just immediately I was like, "Quicksilver." I don't don't. I was like, "Yeah, it's Quicksilver." And then because oh, they kept, I was thinking it was Quicksilver t- too. Kept, yeah. Uh, well, because because she mentioned. Was, did you have a they, twin? Yeah. Did exactly. you have a twin? They, mentioned they said that episode. earlier in the episode, and then they also said it back when Geraldine had mentioned. Um, mentioned his course, name yeah. i was like okay him coming up a second and then i mentioned time, it this episode yeah. also in the sword yeah. stuff and i was yeah. like he he's come up three times and you know the 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 uh rule in comedy is once you do it three times it's it's done that's the golden rule um and comics are right. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh so the, thing, the thing is the thing is with <laughs> it was like three times and i'm like twice in the same episode they mentioned him and I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up. If he doesn't, then it's going to be awkward, you know, um, if if they bring him in a, in a different episode. 
Um, I will admit that way back at the beginning of this, of our podcast, when you talked about maybe Ultron will come in or maybe uh, Pietro will come in. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I doubted it. You... I'm gonna give full credit. Yeah, I'll give you full give you full credit, and also like the fact that they went with Evan Peters. Um, I, awesome! I I'm super excited about that. Well, I hope he sticks around. To after be fair this here, show. though. To be fair though, I want to be very clear here. Is uh, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I actually think Aaron Taylor Johnson did a decent job. No, as oh, I agree. Like I agree. Him. He did a. I thought he was very yeah. good, but I also think Evan Peters is much more exciting for the implications. Yes. Of yes. It. Um, and I'm curious, I, I guess I should look this up, the production of this show, because Disney's deal of buying Fox did not close until March 2019. Um, and this show has been in the works for quite some time, because it was supposed to come out probably initially last October, because it was a Halloween episode. And then, of course, everything got delayed, as it, as it as the society we live in right now. But, um, anyway, I'm like, wow, they really put, cause I wasn't expecting us to get, far. like, we're not getting a Deadpool three for another three years. And yet we have something from Fox X-Men's movie that is, I, I think we can say that Evans Peters Quicksilver is loved. I think it's the one thing from the Fox movies that is still really liked. And everyone was like, man, it'd be really cool if you could put him in the MCU. I mean, besides, besides Wolverine. You know, there's, there's we don't the want, general. Hugh Jackman's exactly. done, though. Yeah. But Hugh Jackman's yeah. done. And of Deadpool, too, of course. But this is my point, is that we have the Fox stuff coming in. And I'm very curious to see if... I hope I'm wrong. You know, my theory where it's like, this could just be Jimmy was missing person. I hope I'm wrong. I think the implication is much more exciting if he is somehow the Fox one coming in from his gotcha. universe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think you agree with me on that. I, uh, <laughs> I want him. I still want him around after this show. Um, but I, I, I don't know exactly how much I want Fox's X Men to to be. Well, I don't think they'll yeah, bring in anyone else. No, I don't think so because he's the one who's popular. Yeah. you know, Evan Peters is who's po- in Deadpool, of course. But Deadpool's kind of its own thing, anyway. But uh, um, but yeah, I. Yeah, and when we get to uh, Dead Deadpool three down the road, like I've already got a uh, got a theory on how to include Deadpool one and two in the MCU, but we won't get into that right now. Nice. But uh, but yeah, no, I that door opened, and then I was like, just just zoom out, zoom out, do it, zoom out, and then I well, I saw yeah, his hair, and, and I was like, they did that, they that's did, him, they did that shot, <laughs> that's and I'm like, him. that's Evan Peters, that is Evan Peters, or it's. Well, I, I, that hair is iconic, It is, man. exactly. Like, and then the goggles, I, like, they had the goggles up on top of his... I, uh, I was too busy in shock <laughs> to notice the goggles, honestly. I was just like, what? And I think it's interesting, because I think most of the stuff in this show has been the wham moment. That's why I call it a yeah. wham moment. The wham moments have meant a lot to the characters. To these people, this means more to us as an audience than anyone on the show. Because, you know, they're just like, you, they recast... She recast Pedro. That's what Darcy yeah. says, and I'm just like, what does that like? What does what will next episode be? Mm-hmm. Like with this as well, a thing, you- because this is such a to me. This is such a. This is what we, this is what we call the midpoint twist. Uh, in the screenwriting, which makes sense because we're halfway through the show, 
which is that up until this point, up until Evan Peters walked in, I was like, I don't see how this show has five episodes left in it. And then he's here. I was like, oh my gosh, this makes everything so much more complicated if they're implying that he's from the Fox yeah. universe. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. And I'm also just excited to see more Evan Peters as, um, you know, as a in these yeah. movies because he is really and as i said i think he's been served bad by the material since days of future past really even though he is good in apocalypse um and now we're let's so you have anything else you want to say there uh, on evan peters we kept hyping up us talking about evan peters but it was really just like ah, yeah was, we don't know what to say just, but he's here it was just a uh, <laughs> moment about it so yeah, well, it was yeah, worth it, was. it um i do think it's interesting this is what i wanted to say uh this is just the little closing thing is i think there's a real merit to this being a weekly show because a lot of people online are complaining about how like why do i have to wait each week for an- i saw this ridiculous tweet that was like i can't believe- there's it's pure torture to wait a full week for a 30 minute episode I'm like yeah that's what tv right. is though like you like- know sorry that netflix changed it but that's what tv's always been but in this case it's like man last week we had so much to talk about and it wasn't just us like this isn't like i'm not being like our podcast defines the discussion on one division but it does but everyone's talking about everything and this week there's so much to talk about even like the main thing to talk about of course one main thing people are talking about after this episode is like evan peters but like we just talked for like two hours about this and like i think there's stuff we didn't even tackle like there was a lot to break into and the thing is is once you release a show in a binge format the individual episodes aren't discussed. Yep. Um, with the exception of like, you watch Stranger Things, or at least the second season. That uh, that episode, that show did have one episode to talk about because it was such a bad episode, which is not a good thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but like this would just be like a cog in the machine, right? No, everyone would be like, oh, I gotta watch the next one immediately because I gotta know what happens to Evan Peters. But that doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? um, we we do we I get think- a week of appreciating. And yeah, exactly and exactly even if he's gone by the next episode i hope not but you know what i mean oh i don't think he no will be. no i think well he he got a main credit that's what i was saying earlier is that don chio could very well have a main credit falcon winter soldier because evan peters got a main credit in this episode mm-hmm. so I was like oh that was honestly more when to me it's like he is a series regular now. yeah like, oh no what a so moment. uh um Wait, wait. One yeah. last thing. Well, no, you know what? We can go on. The other thing I have to say, we, we can talk about some other time. This is going okay. long. Uh, uh, about the, well, it's just about the plot structure, and I think it's it's been changed, but it doesn't. we don't need to talk about it. It's really not. Just cut, cut up the, me right, okay. right now. Okay, okay. You know? um, so, right. predictions going forward? What are you thinking? Well, I think next week's the Halloween yeah. episode, as I've said. Uh, I think... How that Halloween episode plays out in my mind is incredibly changed by Evan Peters being there now. Uh, I think the... I don't know. I really don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see Vision leave Westview next week, honestly. I think that's a logical step of where this needs to go, is that he needs to meet up with S.W.O.R.D. I don't think S.W.O.R.D.'s going to be getting into Westview next week. Uh, I'm curious what will happen if he does escape. Gotcha. Uh... I I'm more interested in what's going on with Vision, and I'm curious how Petro will play mm-hmm. out 
I I'm more curious on how the sword plot's gonna because I think the sword plot next week is gonna be more about figuring out what who is this guy, who's Petra, yeah. you know, who's the new Petra, and I think that will be where we get some answers on if this is a multiverse thing going on or if it's just we'll get answered pretty quickly if it's Jimmy Woo's witness, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be it, Jimmy will be like that's my right. guy, like that'll be it, uh, which will be honestly disappointing if it is, but at least it'll be figured out quickly. Um, but that's my opinion on next week. It's a Halloween episode. And I think the thing is with the Halloween episodes, we know from the trailers the Halloween episode will have some Agnes development. Yeah, yeah definitely. So um, so I think we'll get more quick aging of the twins next week. I don't think it's going to be throughout the episode. I think it'll be at the end of the episode. Um, and then yeah. I'm really hoping for some uh, Uncle, Uncle Pietro with the twins, similar to Uncle Joey from Full House, because next week... Um, looking at 90s. Um, I could also see some Bob Saget-esque uh, Vision. But, uh, I'm really curious on if Vision snaps back to the sitcom because to me he seems that like he's, he's irreversibly out, out of, of it. it. Gotcha. He's yeah. gone. Like he's like I don't think he can get back into it. Maybe he'll play along with it so Wanda doesn't like threaten him. But I also don't see why he would play along with it. I think that's true. I think he could challenge. He could challenge Wanda if yeah. he wanted. Yeah. So. All right. Well. But yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah. Let's just say what our basic thought was on the episode overall, too, because we didn't really get yeah. to that. But I think that would be okay. Uh, as I said, I thought the sword stuff was just okay, but all the Wanda and Vision stuff was incredible, and obviously the cliffhanger ending was just like jaw drop like legitimately jaw dropping i i texted a friend when the episode ended who has been watching the show i was like yeah i think wandavision just had my first ever really big like oh my god moment in the mcu in quite some yeah. time like even more so than like even because people were like when infinity war snap happened that it was mm-hmm. a big deal this felt like a much bigger deal to me just because i assumed i would never see him again in the yeah. role and yeah Peter's again yeah yeah the role yeah, this this and also the thing with Evan Peters is it could tie into Spider Man three because we never thought we'd see Toby or you know that's true Andrew Garfield in the that's world true. pretty rumored for that but yeah what but, was your uh, thoughts on the episode overall over overall I like overall I I liked this episode um yeah that there were parts that like there were parts that kind of. We're just, I don't know. They weren't as high performing, but the, like, the parts that were high performing, that's, it was worth watching the whole episode, like, all, t- all together. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I, and I want to, I want to be clear that I don't hate this episode. I feel like that, that might be coming off that. Like, I hate the sword parts. I don't hate the sword parts. I think they're just a little more boring than the sitcom. Parts. No, yeah, yeah. You know? And it, it definitely, yeah. the sword parts, I think, what the sword parts need to do from now on is the sword parts have been very reactionary to what's going on in the reality, which of course we, we know they're going to be reactionary, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I want to see a little more. I think though they will start getting proactive. Yeah. Because, well, because they they have been confronted by Wanda. So, so they know that she's in control of it. I mean, that is the one big takeaway that Sword has from this from this episode. Uh, so yeah, I th- I think 
it's it's already a new day. Now we, we recorded into two days. It's a new, it's day. a new day, Danny. Oh my god! Do you see the, you oh see the sun god. coming up? Yeah. Also, this episode was going to be about three hours long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you made it this far, congrats. <laughs> All right. Well. Take it All away, right. Tyler. That wraps up this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can catch us on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also follow us at Twitter at whyiswithtyin1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankmints uh, for reviews of other movies not in the mcu and i cast also some mcu movies too whenever i get around to watching them all right well have a great week guys we'll see you next week with wandavision episode six. Oh my gosh you know what this means only three episodes remain dun dun dun